passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Raw. It's John Pollock and forget about me. The reason everyone is tuning in tonight. It is the returning Wei Ting who is back. He is here in Canada. I can confirm. Wei, it's been too long without your your wonderful voice to accompany us coming off of a three-hour edition of Raw. I'm back. I'm back, John. And, uh, uh, you know, Mondays just aren't the same without this. So, in a way, I, I'm actually, it's kind of nice to be back into routine, but... You know, before we start off, I, I wanted to give you a huge thank you, along with all the other contributors to post wrestling over the past month: uh, Davey, Braden, uh, Nate, Brian, Andrew Thompson, of course, on the website. Uh, everybody else that I, I'm not even, you know, uh, if I didn't mention you, I, I apologize. But you're Phil. Let's not forget Phil, about Phil. Chair talk, great job, of course, on the post show. Errol Hawani, like I, I've I've listened to almost everything and. Uh, just, I mean, the site has never been better. So, John, it did cross my mind. Maybe I could stay a little bit longer, but nonetheless, um, I'm I'm at least here for this Monday. Okay, you say maybe I could have stayed a bit longer. You were there for three weeks. Three what weeks, was... two of which which was, was was sort of with you. I guess like ten, yeah. ten days was with you. Yeah. Uh, so, like the first week was was really uh, a bit domin- dominated by like Wrestle Kingdom and a lot of wrestling stuff. But yeah, like this was pro- probably like one of the longer stretches I've been actually away from home and and away from routine. Were you, were you like at the end? Were you ready to come home, or were you saying to yourself, "I could stick around here longer"? Because, <laughs> um... dude, I was done. <laughs> and listen, I love Japan. I had a wonderful time. This was a fantastic trip. But for me, I, I was ready to go home at at the end. I, I, I was also I had been away. This, this was the longest I I had ever been away from from Max. So it was it was a different circumstances. But nonetheless, yeah. I was uh, I, I was ready to go home by the end. I totally understand. Yeah, like if I was away from my loved ones in a foreign country for that long, I think I'd feel the same way. But like you know, I was lucky enough to have my girlfriend with me. We were vacationing through throughout Japan for. Uh, much of the, my second leg of that trip. So, um, did you do anything but eat? <laughs> yeah, uh, eating was definitely much of it. Uh, I did definitely do some other sightseeing. You know, we we saw some really interesting. These were majestic pictures. I mean, it didn't even look like you were relying on filters for these. They were just. I felt like I was on a on a tour with you, just through food. Like this was, 
uh, way Bourdain that I was living vicariously through. You know, honestly, it is, um, I would say, a great motivator for, for me these days, not just to to um, sightsee, but to live, you know, is to definitely experience all the different types of food that especially a place like Japan could offer. So I got to have just excellent meals and excellent quality food between, you know, Michelin rated uh, ramen shops to even just Ooh. like, you know, your your run of the mill 7-Eleven uh, egg sandwiches, which which were all excellent. Like it almost depressed me to go to like uh, we had I had a layover in Dallas and and then you know going to like a, a North American Seven Eleven with like the the old hot dogs rolling on on the little grill. Um, Please tell me you did was, not engage in that. I did not engage. No, but okay. I'm just saying it's a world of difference going from you know a Japanese Seven Eleven or a Lawson's to you know like that quality to I guess where what it is everywhere else in the world. So I guess to answer your question, I could have stayed maybe a little bit longer, but. I, I think I was starting to feel, you know, uh, I, I was starting to miss my, my own bed and my own routine again. Now, did you, is your girlfriend still over there or did you both come back together? She's there for about five more days. Because okay. She, because, of, like, we had the wrestling to do for the first seven days. She basically delayed her trip by, like, you know, a week. And, mm-hmm. like, with, you know how, how long the flight was, right? Like, you experienced it twice firsthand. It, like, these are 24-hour trips for us because of, like, the layovers. So, um, she I, wanted, I took, it took me 28 to get home. It was a, yeah. it was a lengthy one. You probably had similar. It was similar yesterday for sure. Yeah. So for, for whatever reason, these layovers have, have just been a lot longer than, than what I've usually experienced. So she wanted to make her trip a, a bit more worthwhile. So she's staying for about a few more days. Uh, but yeah, yeah. How, I mean, how, how was your return? The, you know, it sounds like a lot doing 28 hours. It, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, and I, I know this is going to be breaking news to a lot of people. I, I did not really mind having uh, 28 hours alone to just travel. It was it was kind of enjoyable, and I knew ahead of time uh, that I was facing not just the layovers because I had two layovers along the way, and on top of that, there was going to be uh, weather problems. So I was warned in advance that I could – end up getting stuck for a prolonged period at either of my layovers, which I did have a bit of a delay in Chicago. Dallas was fine, except I I had to... I, I went over all this last week. But anyway, getting home, uh, the actual jet lag, it probably lasted like... there. It was like three days where it I was fine all day, but then 7 p.m. hit, and it was like I hit a wall and was just dying, as some people will... Uh, go back, and Damien was uh, so kind to to point out uh, every ten minutes of how exhausted I sounded on Rewind to Dynamite. I, I couldn't. I, I honestly, couldn't I, tell I was just going through quicksand in that show because I, I, I was I was exhausted. I couldn't tell until actually he brought it up. So I guess like you know by by your voice you you're able to put up quite quite a convincing act. But that's, yeah, it's really then, interesting. Then he put a big, big flashlight on it. So <laughs> it's really interesting how you said like at seven o'clock it really hit you because I was going through very much the same thing today. Or like throughout the entire day, like I I got back last night, but then today I was just like back to regular routine. In fact, like better than usual for me. Like I woke up at eight a.m. at a full day, just you know got like got a bunch of shit done, and then at about like five six o'clock, I start to feel sick. Like I I I had to take a nap, 
at least like you know a half hour nap before raw otherwise i wouldn't have been able, able to get through it so really See, I, I just powered I, I i was getting up at 5 to 5 30 the first couple of days and i would just power through and stay up till there was one night i went to 10 uh, to sleep at 10 p.m that would have been a night i didn't have to do a show so maybe that was the tuesday and i i would say though by thursday definitely by friday i was completely back to normal mm-hmm. yeah so it's really not that bad i, I suppose thankfully at least for for us so all in all, um, you, you know, you and I haven't really spoken since even you came back. But, you know, all in all, what did you think of the trip? Is it a trip that you would want to do again? Um, just overall, your thoughts. I would definitely do it again. Uh, my biggest issue going into this whole thing was being on a plane for that amount of time. And it was nothing. It was honestly fine. I was uh, I didn't have any issue with like that amount of time on an airplane. So I would definitely do it again. I, I don't know if I would be ready to do it again next year. Um, Me neither. Actually, I, th- I, don't- I, I, I think the people go like every single year. It, it's a big one. And I, I don't think I would uh, be ready to do that one again next year. But at, at some point in the future, if there was the right circumstance and it made sense for you and I to do it, because that's kind of my first priority is, what are you and I getting out of it for the site to make such a, a massive trip? Then I'd certainly be open to it. Absolutely. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. It, it sounds like you you hit a bit of a breakthrough because I know like on that first flight, like I was with you, John. And by the way, I, I did also have a middle seat. Just oh, you so, did? So you're aware. Yeah, like we both had middle seats. But you know what? We both came out of that first flight. Well, first of all, you were going into it. Like I saw in your face, you were almost panicked. Like You were so worried about having to sit on a plane for like 12 hours. And by the time you were, you got done, first thing you said to me was like, "Piece of cake." You know? <laughs> so I, I was actually quite proud that that you you seem to have this this breakthrough, it, it, along with being able to uh, order food in Japanese. Uh, I tried. I tried to order food in Japanese. Trying is is the the most important part. Yeah, I I did enjoy when I just uh, kind of wandered off on myself because that's when you're going to actually go through all this stuff when you don't have to rely on others there. Like if I had you there, you know, you had, you had like 10 million apps on your phone that could uh, decode stuff for me. But uh, there was one day I just like wandered around the, the entire city for like two hours. And that was, a, that was just fun too. Yeah. It was like, well, if I get lost, that's kind of the fun of it. I think that's a great attitude. And it's almost empowering when you, you know, at the end of the night you come home and you realize like you didn't die. You know, what was the worst that could have happened? Oh, you had to take out your phone to Google directions? Or That's it. I mean, what, what what's the absolute worst that is going to happen is that you get lost and you've got Google Maps. Like, we're, we're so spoiled. I will say, I have yet to try the Wasabi KitKat. So I oh. think that uh, you and I are going to have to try this Wasabi KitKat at some point. I, I think that, I mean, next time if we do go to Japan, I think we should devote an equal amount of time to trying out new foods as we do to wrestling. Cause I think that that would be uh, as, as much interest to, to at least our patrons as anybody else. We did very well on the, the lens content. I think, I think so too. It was fun. You know, lens is always very useful for, uh, you know, for, for these trips. And it was nice to dust off the, the old lens on Patreon and catch all of our listeners up. Um, and we'll be doing the same probably for WrestleMania weekend this year. Yes. That's uh that is not too far away. So that's the next thing. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're starting to tackle uh, what shows we're going to be going to. Is there are about uh, ten thousand shows that are happening that week? We'll be going to how many? 
you think? 904. Okay. No, right now we've gotten uh, – how many do we have? I, I think we're, we're confirmed right now for three shows. I think we're going to try to pace ourselves. At least I, 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 I want to, John. You know, like I, some of these some of these previous years we've just really tried to like, man, stack way too much, I, I think, on our plate on, in addition to like, you know, recording shows. I, I would want to pace myself a little bit more and maybe uh, concentrate on, let's say, two, you know, may, maybe three smaller shows a night if, if we're feeling really ambitious or maybe just one big long show. Yeah, I mean, we're only going to be there three days, pretty much. And one of those, well, we're hoping to, well, have something involving our show. But, right. I mean, it's Thursday we go there, Monday we come home. So it's pretty much Thursday, Friday, uh, and Saturday. And then Sunday's WrestleMania, which uh, we could go to uh, one of the competing brunches on the Sunday. But uh, uh, Sunday is pretty much reserved for the uh, the Mammoth show, which I don't I don't know how much wrestling I can take beyond being in that stadium for however many hours we'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, you've, you've been through a 26 hour travel day. I think you can get through anything now. Is there anything that's better to get you set for sitting at WrestleMania than a, a plane ride across the world to Japan? I think that is the way to get, get yourself ready. I suppose if you're somebody traveling from Japan to go to WrestleMania, that, <laughs> that really is the ultimate endurance test. I I will say like having having now being able to compare the two, uh, Wrestle Kingdom where we were not in like a a media box or anything like that. Wrestle Kingdom breezed by in comparison. Yeah, it, and it, those were it, five and a half hour shows back to back nights, and I I would say the only drag I felt was maybe the the first half of the second night. I definitely felt that that portion drag where I felt that the two nights it felt like a lot and it probably hindered some of my enjoyment of of some of the matches that maybe watching on television they would have come across stronger certainly helps that I think the quality of the in-ring was was is better uh at a, at a place like a Wrestle Kingdom I think maybe the novelty of like you know being able to see so many of these stars for the first time for, for you, perhaps, and for me, too, really, like, especially in, in that in a setting like the Tokyo Dome, maybe that might have played a part as well. Um, so, you know, if it's if it was your first WrestleMania, John, do you feel like you would feel that tired as well? If it was like seven hours, you probably would. Actually, I, probably I, I, th- would. I think so. I, yeah. I mean, I look at. It's just nobody I ever talked to ever like that is so consistent. That is the complaint about WrestleMania for so many people. It's just the length. That's it. I think most people, they enjoy the spectacle of it. There's still an enjoyment of going, but it's just, it's way too long for anybody when you're talking about six to seven hours, especially compounded when it's an outdoor stadium and you're in the sun for the, for that amount of time. It's just, it's, it's a lot to ask of your audience. So I, I feel... Yeah, you know, I've gone to a lot of them, so I don't know. It's I, I don't enjoy watching wrestling in stadiums to begin with. Uh, to me, like the Tokyo Dome was a lot of fun, but to me, it was hardly my favorite venue to watch wrestling in when, while we were over there. What was your favorite? Uh, Corican. That was that was my favorite to go. I think that was my favorite as well. Uh, it was really cool to to be in Shinkiba first ring. I I really actually enjoyed that as well. I really like that Stardom show you and I went to. Um, but like being Corkin is just like 
there's something so historic about the venue itself and just sight lines everywhere. It, it's it. just such a great place to watch it. Even like the history is, is yeah. it's just was a very cool building to walk through for the first time. But as of just an actual building, it's fantastic to watch wrestling in. Yeah. TGIF is right downstairs. What more could you ask for? Well, um, let us move on. I think we should right off the top talk about the Royal Rumble pool, and I'm just going to pass it over to you. Eh? We have uh, a couple of days before the Royal Rumble, and fear not, we do have the annual post wrestling Royal Rumble pool, and it is now live. I've been getting some uh, questions about uh, where the Rumble pool was, and so apologies, everybody, for the slight delay. But you know what? I think we're helping you all because you probably want to watch this go home show at least before making all of your choices anyway. So the Rumble pool is up a little bit later this year, but it is now live. Postwrestling.com slash Rumble, where you can find our entry form created by the the vaca- currently vacation and Chris Engler, who's who himself is celebrating a uh, anniversary in Hawaii. So congratulations to you, Chris. I hope you continue to enjoy. Uh, is he celebrating the anniversary of the Royal Rumble pool? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, he and his wife decided to just... <laughs> His Book second biggest stuff. commitment, the Royal Rumble pool, well, I mean, tabulating. I think I feel the like the, the G one might be a bigger commitment for him, but like, um, yes, the That's Rumble true. pool. He'll probably celebrate that one too when it hits, uh, however many years. But uh, thank you again, Chris. Uh, enjoy your vacation while you're on it. Hawaii is amazing. But I he, think he's on a plane as we speak on his way back, so I don't know if there's much is. vacation to enjoy. But okay, well, enjoy. I hope the you ride. had a great time. Enjoy the plane ride, and when you get back, you better start busting your ass because you're going to have a lot of entries to go through. Uh, categories, you know, asking about the men's and women's rumble. We have about 13 pages of them asking all these questions. So take your time, make your make your thoughts uh, properly, and, and put a lot of effort into it. Uh, if you fill in your email address, then uh, you will get a copy of your results right afterwards. So um, postwrestling.com slash rumble. All right, go join. It's free to join, and we'll be announcing the winner on next week's edition of Rewind to Dynamite. So next Wednesday night, we'll have the winner uh, after we tabulate all of the results because it's usually a very high volume of entries that we get. So go submit all your picks now, and that is it. Deadline is Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Perfect. Eastern time, 3 p.m. on Sunday. So looking ahead at this week, on Tuesday night, way in our back, it is our first Rewind Away of the year. And we're going to be chatting about All Japan Women's Dream Slam 1 card from April the 2nd, 1993. And this is a a very historical card, one that uh, we have reviewed in another lifetime, but was news to me. I had no clue. I had completely no clue. At the end of like the last Rewind Away, we were like, oh, I'm so excited. This will be the first time we get to talk about an All Japan Women's show or just a Joshi Wrestling show on Review Away or Rewind Away in general. And uh, we were quickly informed that that was not the case. We've <laughs> reviewed this one before, but I have zero recollection of it whatsoever. This is the first time, this is the first time I have ever in my research gone into what I will dub the archives and had to literally listen to myself as a research tool and <laughs> take some notes of myself reviewing this show. And dude, it's like, I'm listening to a total stranger and it's just, it was the most bizarre experience I listening to this. I can't wait to hear some of your notes actually about maybe what, what I thought and what you thought. Did, did your, I, I guess, did you listen to the whole thing? 
or, or just no like, i i just skimmed through it there's no way i could get through a whole show of myself there's well no, i'm just curious chance. if like you happen to influence your own opinion on your second viewing i was more so just listening for uh just specific uh research notes that i may have had in that show that got it <laughs> anyway, it was a very bizarre experience <laughs> i was listening to it like this was part of my research is relying on myself from however many years ago that we did this but you know it will get anyway. to a point where we we've reviewed everything and for some of these smaller shows or at least less talked about shows we might be the only resource so uh, maybe this will happen again in the future, but yeah, we're not going to be reviewing the entire card because it is like what a five-hour, six-hour show. Uh, no, we're 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 going to review the final five matches on the show. Unlike our first time, where we decided it was too long, we're going to review the final six matches. <laughs> <laughs> we literally cut it in half, but this time around, we're, we cut off another match. See, we're, so. we're 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 not working as harder, but we are working smarter. I feel. And, That's it. And it the was, last five workaround injuries and limitations. And the last five matches were actually at the request of the executive producer Chase Klaus, so who who just you know asked us to hey just do the last five. And they are the last five. I would say perhaps the most important to this show. Many of them rated five stars by uh, Dave Melter of the Wrestling Observer. Uh, and if you right now go to forum.postwrestling.com, you'll find a feedback thread for patrons as well as a link to watch the show. Yes, and uh, more on those ratings on Tuesday Night's show. So that will be available for all patrons, all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. We'll get that show late Tuesday night. Over to Wednesday, we have our regular lineup. Way and I will have Rewind, a Dynamite coming your way as we review the matches from the Jericho Cruise that has uh, taken off and people are on a boat as we speak. And it sounds like the internet is not great on this boat. So I'm curious if results will get out of the matches that are taped ahead of time for Wednesday. I wonder, I wonder, um, you know, all in all, I, I don't, I, I don't feel like it would have much effect on. Perhaps, I, I don't uh, think they're going to have any effect. This, yeah. this is a pretty big show. When you consider Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega and John Moxley are all wrestling on this show coupled with, I think that the unique environment is a bit of a draw in and of itself too. For sure. Yeah. I'm certainly yeah. looking forward to it. And of course, Braden and Davey will have a new edition of up next coming your way on Wednesday night. Then we move on Thursday. We are not going to have an edition of the cafe hangout. However, what we are going to do is Friday night, rewind to SmackDown. We are going to do a special live edition of that show where way is going to review SmackDown. I'm going to review the NWA hard times pay-per-view, and then we're going to open up the phone lines and we'll be taking your calls Friday night. We will look ahead to the Royal rumble worlds collide and Anything else you want to discuss. So a a rare Friday night live edition of Rewind to SmackDown for all of our patrons. It is Friday Night Live. Friday Night Live, yes. This what? is like our electric circus. Uh, will you be dancing in your window? Uh, if you tune in, you'll you'll find out. I guess we, we do kind of have, have the setup here. Well, you do have a window looking to the post office. So um, maybe we'll have some dancing going on. Maybe a... Um... Master T will show up. Um, we'll be blasting M the Aqua in the background. Yeah, we, we won't have the singer MJ, but maybe we'll have the other MJ call in. Yeah. I, uh, Everyone's going to be flying to the moon. We definitely have like different uh, reference points. but We I were raised I very differently. Mean. I think you were doing very different things on Friday nights than I was. Well, also on Friday, John, 
uh, new edition of the British Wrestling Experience, I understand. So, And I forgot to thank those guys. Great job that they've been doing over the past uh, several weeks as well. Yes, Martin is making his own return from Japan. He will be on this week's show with Benno and Jamesy. It is the Holy Trinity coming together on Friday. And they're doing a unique show this week because they're going to look back at the top matches and moments from the European scene throughout the decade of the 2010s. So they are going to go through a whole decade on this show on Friday that I'm very much looking forward to. Very daunting task, but um, I, I definitely trust those guys to be pretty comprehensive about it all. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, uh, Martin, it was great to hang out with him, actually, in Japan. He and his wife, like, they're on a mission to go th- to every single Disneyland in the entire world. And I feel like they've already crossed a number of them off the list. So, um, yeah, I, I look forward to hearing him again on the radio. Then on Saturday, we've got the Worlds Collide post show that Braden and Davey are going to be doing Sunday, new edition of Thunderstruck with WH Park. And this week, he's going to be joined by the man himself, Martin Bushby. And they're going to be chatting Jushin Thunder Liger Shinjiro Otani from March of 1996. And did they record this one in the Irish pub? They may have. Maybe this was a, a late night episode after a WH Corona and a Guinness from Martin, which seemed to be the go-to drinks for them at this Irish pub that we discovered, the name of which none of us would be able to pronounce without Jamesy's help. Then Sunday night, the week ends off with the Royal Rumble post show. Way and I will be live. You will be able to tune in live if you're a double-double ice cap or espresso member. Uh, We'll be taking phone calls, going through the entire Royal Rumble. How long do you think this Royal Rumble is going to be on Sunday? Uh, The pay-per-view? Starts at 5 p.m., so we get our two-hour kickoff. What, okay. what, what do you think? What, what would you guess would be our time that we're going to actually uh, start the show at? Start, oh, you mean us? Okay. Well, us. Um, I, I would predict that the pay-per-view would probably go till about 10.30, so I don't know. I would ballpark 11 p.m. Well, they're in a ballpark, so oh, okay. they well, could uh, – well, 10.30 would be fine. Five and a half hours, I can, I can stomach that. Yeah, the kick the kickoff you you kind of learn that you can kind of you know skip it. Yeah, I think most people are, are are probably in the habit of skipping those those kickoffs these days, unless you're doing a podcast. I guess so. So there you go. That is a, a packed packed week here at postwrestling.com. So uh, check out everything. Don't miss a second of what we have to offer this week because you'd just be incomplete without it. Well, listen to 1.5 speed, or at least two times speed, which I... I, I don't care do. what speed people listen to, as long as you Including consume every Including 0.5 speed, as uh, Brandon from New Jersey, I think, has started... Well, he's do. out of his mind. Uh, I think everyone has, has learned that about Brandon. I, I will say that, having been off for the past month with the Cafe Hangout, I miss Brandon. I missed all those callers, and uh, hopefully some of them will call in t- uh, this week on Friday, or if not, when the Cafe Hangout returns next Thursday. Yeah, let's be honest. We're being very ambitious by doing this on a Friday night. Kind of, yeah. But we'll see. If you, if you guys want to hang out with us on a Friday night, this this is the week to blow off that date that you've got lined up. Don't worry about going out with your friends drinking. Just stay home and chill out with us. Because what could be better? Nothing. We'll pull out. You know, if you tune in Friday night, maybe Way and I are going to indulge in some wasabi-flavored Kit Kat. Oh, that should be the main event. Could be. So, uh, and Way gave me the option of SmackDown or the NWA pay-per-view. So I hope you don't mind that I, I chose NWA. Not at all. Not at all. 
You deserve it. All right. A few news items. We don't have uh, a lot to go through here because I do want to get into Raw. But uh, let us look at what was making news today. Uh, Ring of Honor has announced that their next pay-per-view is going to be on a Friday night way. So uh, we'll, we'll see who is going to be choosing that one. And they've also announced. So the pay-per-view, it's their... Uh, their 18th anniversary card. That'll be the Friday night in Las Vegas. The next night, they're running the same Samstown uh, location in Vegas, and they're doing a past versus present card. And they're advertising the likes of Necro Butcher, Homicide, Matt Seidel, and essentially bringing back names from the past. So this is one of the more creative cards that ROH has come up with in some time. And... I'd almost say, like, this is more of a hook for the pay-per-view than just doing this show the next night uh, in Vegas. But uh, the pay-per-view will be separate from this. Uh, what are your thoughts on Ring of Honor sticking with Friday night as their pay-per-view night, first of all? Do you think that it's a, a negative with SmackDown going against them? Or do you think that the night of the week matters little for Ring of Honor, that people are either going to be interested in this or they're not, regardless of the night? I think at the moment, I'm, I'm more of the opinion of, of the latter. Um, that, you know, even if they did run on a Saturday, I don't necessarily see that much more interest. However, I, I think, I think the idea of doing another one of these nostalgia shows, taking a cue from, let's say something like, uh, what impact is doing, I think is, is, is a really interesting experiment. Certainly has my interest as somebody who, you know, maybe remembers ROH more so from, from its, uh, its glory years, if you, if you want to call it that. However, it's, you know, it's a matter of how many people you could really get at this point. From that, that's words. the issue. It's a lot like this impact card where it's like when you start to think of the names that come to mind, it's like, okay, they're they're all in pretty much one company. Yeah. I mean you're 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 essentially trying to do a throwback one night only type of show with Matt Seidel, Doug Williams, Homicide, and Necro Butcher. Like you know, those guys are all great, but hard they hardly uh, I would say comprise, you know, uh your image of of, of what Ring of Honor might have been in the past. So I look forward to seeing maybe what other names they'd be able to get. Who who, who else do you think would show up? Let, let, let's think about this. Um, Davey Richards is someone you could reach out to. Ooh, uh, yeah. Loki. Loki, yep. Uh, CM Punk. Uh, <laughs> uh, Austin Aries is out there, I guess. Um, you think Colt would come back? He's probably over. Yeah. I, if it didn't conflict with something, uh, absolutely. Um he hasn't been far removed from it. Yeah, yeah. You, you could totally have a, a cabana come in. I, I'm thinking from like the early days, like yeah. the Christopher Street connection or uh, Xavier. Mm-hmm. Actually, Ian Riccoboni was like teasing that with uh, Xavier coming in. Um, you know, you, you could probably it, – it's interesting to I see like – Lethal should come out as Hydro. And we could have, like, that would actually be really game. fun if you, if you did something like that where you, you had like a Jay Lethal do a throwback character. Because that, that's what this show kind of seems to be aiming towards. My curiosity is, like, can you attract that? Like, for instance, like, I, I use, like, Benno as an example. A guy that, like, lived and died Ring of Honor in the mid-2000s that has probably, like, trailed off from the current version of Ring of Honor. Uh, is there enough out there that it could bring back an audience for one night? And I'm presuming this will be on Honor Club, that you'll be able to watch it, but... It almost seems like it's it's a cool concept that I would almost do as like the anniversary pay per view. I agree, I agree, and I hope they bring back you know elements like like the old logo, maybe like a the old mat, like things like that in, in itself. Much like no no color balancing for the night. <laughs> yeah, poor cameras are all cameras, out of whack. Uh, yeah. Overall modulated Co- copyright music that they can't that they get pulled off the pay per view yep. for. 
Gabe Sapolsky screaming, uh, overmodulated, uh, commercials for DVDs uh, in between matches. That would be awesome. They should release this thing as a DVD. It shouldn't be on Honor Club. That'd be awesome. It's it's just on like two VHSs. Yeah, brilliant. Done. Yeah. Well, maybe one half is on a DVD, but the other half with the current stars are on streaming. So you'd have to put the two together. Yeah, you can have. I'm I'm trying to think like who who your representative could be. It's like uh, Ian Riccoboni's phone number is like the 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 number the call to order them. Any chance Gabe Sapolsky makes an appearance? No, no, I don't think so. Probably not either. Anyway, so yeah, nostalgia. Nostalgia is popular. It, it is. It's nostalgia is the go-to. It feels like in 2020, uh, the Jericho Cruise, uh, as we mentioned, sorry, sorry just to even. It's kind of weird to have like a past versus present show with PCO being your representative of the present. He is the present and the future, perhaps. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I haven't talked to you about this, but you know, R- Ring of Honor. It was you know both of our selections for worst promotion of the year, and in this first couple of weeks of 2020. They've made some notable moves, the biggest being resigning Marty Skrull. He's now going to have a major role in creative. Uh, they've signed Bandito. Flamita is is uh, also signed. Like, Do you feel that they've done any moves that have at least sparked your interest to catch up on Ring of Honor? and Or is it just kind of a wait and see? Like, Where, where is your attitude towards Ring of Honor after some of these announcements? I think beyond keeping some of, you know, they're, they're more... Um, eh, uh, High, higher regarded prospects. Uh, I think the idea of having Marty Scurll in a creative role is the most interesting th- thing to me and the thing that tells me that they're actually looking to create some change. Now, obviously, I think you have to look at the product itself to see how much change is really to come. But I think the uh, or whether or not this is just a PR announcement with, you know, Marty Scurll being some sort of figurehead. But um, I think the the problems with Ring of Honor aren't necessarily with its roster. It's with uh, what's going on creatively. It's mm-hmm. a little bit the roster too, but I mean they they clearly have a lot of talent that they could do a lot more with than I, than I think they currently are. They have a lot of guys now signed on for more sta- longer term deals. Among them, Marty Scurll himself. So um, maybe it just it, it, it is a bit of a wait and see. But I definitely have a renewed interest since the end of last year. Were you surprised last week about the? Uh, AEW renewal with TNT. It kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't. I didn't realize you know that negotiations were, were necessarily happening. But clearly TNT was happy enough with the current uh, um, you know uh, results of this experiment that they wanted to re up it. And um, so in, in in a way, it did surprise me a little. But I think it made complete sense if you're TNT and you if you have what's considered a hot product on a Wednesday, wanting to get it while it's still relatively new, relatively cheap. And and relatively, I think, um, you know, uh, hot right now. So, I, I uh, something that made a whole, whole lot of sense to me. I think the the idea of a second or third hour at this point coming to TV is is also interesting. But um, we shall see too. You know whether or not how how important that third hour is going to be. If it's just going to be dark, I don't necessarily feel like it'll change too many things. But if they are putting more production behind it and making it, you know, almost something on, on the level of, like, what SmackDown used to be or, uh, you know, a, like a bona fide second show that feels like it's required viewing, then it's kind of bad news for, for you and I, John, because that's almost another, 
additional hour that that would be somewhat mandatory that we'd probably have to review. But um, good for AEW. Yeah, it's it to, it to me it was a safe move for AEW to make. Like from reports out there that this gets them into profitability, which is phenomenal for them in the second year. The contract is through 2023, and the only thing I would say is that I would be really curious that had AEW um, put this thing out, like what what would the interest be in AEW? Could they have driven their price up that much more than mm. what they're getting? Like to me, 175 million over the course of this. So you're talking about 40, just just under 44 million per year. Um, to, to me, it's TNT might be getting a bargain out of this by locking this in for that amount of time through the end of 2023 and then having an option at the end of it. So, I mean, it to me, it satisfies both sides, but I would be curious like what the what the AEW uh, product would get on the open market if there was uh, other bidders involved and if they could have driven up their price even longer if they had a year of these numbers to support a case for a larger rights fee. Would have been a gamble. You know, so yeah. I mean, I think it, it, from a business sense, it, it, it does make sense because it's a gamble for TNT to, you know, associate themselves with the brand new product for that amount of time. And so it gives uh, uh, AEW a bit of, a, you know, a bit of, a bit of a cushion to rest on. And, you know, being, I think, uh, pretty well, well versed in like managing sports teams and, and perhaps TV rights themselves, the, the cons, I imagine this just felt like a good opportunity for being profitable being profitable this year that's that's incredible i did not yeah. forecast them being able to turn a profit in year two like that is that that's a real impressive feat that they were able to pull off through this deal and i think that it it really does shine a light when you're looking and assessing the health of other companies that you know this that is the goal in 2020 it's it's securing these big television deals and you have to wonder like what is the end goal for some of these other companies um or, or even looking at a New Japan coming over here to run live events. Like to me, if your ultimate destination is not television and landing a big deal, it's almost like you're competing in a, an industry that doesn't exist anymore. If you're just looking at the live event front, for sure. And and I also imagine that like you know this was probably a company that that was preparing for a couple of years of loss before even turning a profit. So the fact that they're sure. going to do this immediately, I think they're it already puts them ahead of, well ahead of, I think, their schedule. And uh, final thing here, did you get to see the Conor McGregor fight on Saturday? I did. I watched this during my layover. In fact, I had it spoiled for me by ESPN on the TV as I was walking through, but I did catch the full 40 seconds. Very impressive. Cut off four. Yes. It was a very impressive fight. Um, it, it did enormous business this past weekend. It seems that you know Conor McGregor has the potential to have uh, an incredible year, and there are all these options at the table that go beyond just mixed martial arts. Like if we're looking within the industry, you have the winner of Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson who are fighting in April. Uh, Jorge Masvidal at welterweight. There's you know Justin Gaethje is out there, but you also have. Names like Floyd Mayweather Jr. and Manny Pacquiao that I think you'd be foolish to just dismiss those options at this point when those would represent the largest, um, uh, from a financial perspective, the largest fights for Conor McGregor if those fights could happen for him. That sentence, honestly, to me, is still crazy. 
the fact that like we're including uh, Pacquiao and, and Floyd Mayweather in the same conversation as like this MMA guy. But you're right. That's the reality of it. How many MMA gyms do you think in, in the world today are drilling shoulder shrugs? Oh, it's got to be uh, just being the, the hot thing. I, I, I'm amazed that those were as effective as they were. Yeah, brilliant. Whoever came up with it in, in their camp. Um, do you know why Tony Robbins was there? Tony Robbins has become like in Connor's like inner circle. He's like met with the guy and maybe he I taught Tony, him the shoulder shrugs. I, I, I don't know. I would think he would be uh, teaching him something with his chin or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. These wow. the, 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 the shoulder was like the, the key that, and that, that knee that he landed on him very early where the key strikes. I, I, I think that like this does become a very big portion of Donald Cerrone's career. Like for all yeah. the accolades and the incredible fights he's been in, like to me the it, like it's impossible to tell the story of Donald Cerrone without including like the biggest fights where mm-hmm. this has been the outcome. Like the RDA fight when he finally after he won all those fights in a row and challenged for the lightweight title and again finished in the first round like without it's like you you know how great this guy is, and in these biggest fights, like it's not even that he he doesn't even get started. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately for this one, I mean the biggest of of them all with the biggest audience, and to lose it in forty seconds. I mean, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure he's he's probably having to deal with a, a lot of mental stuff today. So I hope he he makes a recovery uh, in that sense, and you know, is able to perhaps not necessarily finish his career on, on a note like this and have something bigger. But even if he does, like, I think, you know, like fans need to often realize how much of a feat it is to even enter the UFC, much less to have the type of career that Donald Cerrone has had. So, um, I mean, I consider him potentially a future Hall of Famer with the UFC either way, even if he doesn't get a, get a championship. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I do hope... Um, Mentally, he he's dealing with all this perfectly fine. Yeah. So uh, just to put into perspective some of the numbers for this card. So they drew over 19,000 people to the T-Mobile Arena. The gate was, uh, off the top of my head, I believe it was the fourth largest gate in MMA history behind the the Connor-Khabib fight from October of 2018, the first card at Madison Square Garden with Connor and Eddie Alvarez, and the card here at Rogers Center with George St. Pierre and Jake Shields. Those would be the only three that were ahead of Saturday's gate, which is incredibly impressive. Connor now has seven of the top 10 gates in the history of Nevada. Um, just uh, wow. th- This was just such an enormous fight on Saturday. The prelims peaked with... 1.9 million viewers for the Roxanne Modafferi Macy Barber fight, which is an unbelievable number for UFC prelims. So uh, this was just an, an an enormous fight on on Saturday. I, I knew it was going to be big. The question was just how big. And I guess the big number that I don't know if we'll ever know is how many buys they did on ESPN Plus, because this would have to be by a wide margin the biggest in the ESPN era with them distributing the pay-per-view the difference though from the last fight that connor had with habib which you're talking about a pay-per-view universe of around 100 million espn plus as of last november has three and a half million subscribers so it's, it's a massive difference just in terms of who you're drawing from but uh 
Dana White just went to and said that the number for a streaming service was incredible. And I'm sure it was. I'm sure this is uh, incredible business, but it does probably show you that, you know, there's an enticement if you're a Conor McGregor to fight a Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather on traditional pay-per-view mm-hmm. where you can make your absolute biggest amount of money just because of the amount of buys you can do there versus an ESPN plus. Well, you have a sense of how many people might have uh, signed on to ESPN plus as a result of this fight. I, I really thought that ESPN would put out some kind of uh, press release, just touting some stats because they must be incredible. Um, But I haven't seen anything that they've put out yet. The, the, they're very quiet about any of these numbers. And I was curious to see this one. Like they're, like, why wouldn't you kind of toot your own horn about this? But they have not uh, stated anything. Hmm. But okay. I'm I'm sure it was record-breaking for ESPN+. Plus. So what what's your prediction? What do you think will be the next fight that Conor McGregor has? Um, I mean, shit, at this point, I have no idea what the names that I think people are throwing out there. Personally, I think Masvidal would be, um, to me, the, the one that I would have the most interest in. It's It just seems like it's, in terms of a personality clash, I think that... In terms of star power, I, I find it very fascinating. Um, in terms of a match, I find it very fascinating. So that would be my choice. Not Manny Pacquiao? Yeah. I mean, it's so wild, but like I thought the Floyd fight was really wild. So obviously I'd watch it if, if it was him. I'd, I'd probably watch it. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel shitty to even say it that I would probably watch any fight that he, he'd be a part of. Um, especially like, hey, how do you feel about the fact that like, you know, I think last we spoke about Connor, you and I, it was like something to do with some 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 news story that he was going through. And I think you and I had had the discussion about whether or not we would we people would would no longer tune in or at least feel a bit more apprehension about tuning into his fights. Do you how much of that talk do you think uh, took place preceding? Oh, it, oh, it definitely happened last week. Like there were certainly like this. I, I think I can look very clearly at this entire idea of Connor coming back to fight was very much just like this was a PR tour for Connor McGregor I th- I feel and I thought it was a very successful one because by the end of it everyone's talking about what's next for him what the next fights are but in the lead up during this week like there were definitely people that were bringing up you know this cloud that is still over his head like these investigations into sexual assault that you know it still has not been charged but th- that's still lingering and Connor has you know he was asked about it a couple of times you I, I don't know if you were aware but at the press conference uh Morgan Campbell was there on behalf of the New York Times and brought up the the allegations and got booed by the fans there for him just bringing this up so if that doesn't tell you what this fan base uh, at least that fan base thought of it wow. I, I think that that was pretty telling. It was a pretty like awful moment, and Morgan, to his credit, just pushed through to try and get an answer um, uh, from them, but was largely just shut down. But it's, you know, I, I think that for a large amount of people, there are those that you know they're they are going to be turned off by some of these actions from Conor McGregor. But I think a lot of people they weigh how much entertainment do I get out of this person versus the ethical questions that he forces me to answer. And I think for a lot of people, they are able to dismiss the allegations that are out there or overlook some of the incidents that we have seen that clearly happened, that were caught on camera, that were pretty despicable. And it was Conor McGregor being on his best behavior all week long. 
And I think a lot of people just got swept up in this was Conor McGregor turning the clock back and people getting just engulfed in this uh, this frenzy that was Conor McGregor just steamrolling through a guy and creating all of these potential matchups for him in 2020. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I could say even for myself, I'm, I'm almost a little disappointed, but um, yeah, I, I really, it's something that I, I personally have to kind of think about. Yeah. I mean, these, you know, it's, to me, it's it's going to be over his head until there is some kind of finality to these allegations. Or if he, like the most he said about them was in the interview with Ariel Hawani, that he maintains he's innocent and that he has to be patient. And, you know, alluding to the fact that um, the, the, the story will come out, that he will be, I, I guess he believes that he will be uh, exonerated in the court of public opinion. But until there is that, answer to two separate investigations i i think everyone is going to still have that 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 cloud will be over conor mcgregor's head but when it comes to fighting i think many people will overlook that cloud and that's just you know the way it's it seems to work when it comes to sports and celebrities so uh, those are some of your news items as we uh, get caught up on everything uh, with way here but you can go check out postwrestling.com for uh, all the latest news and that takes us to Raw, the go-home show heading into Sunday's Royal Rumble, and we were in Wichita, Kansas on Monday night. Kicking things off were the newly formed faction of Seth Rollins, AOP, and Buddy Murphy, and they all come out. Are we going to get a name for the faction? Well, it's got to be something Christ-like, doesn't it? Well, you're the expert. I mean, you went to private school or a Catholic school, so got one. Oh, I'm really going to have to. It's very tough with the four of them to um, bring them all together. Um, um, I'll, I'll work on one. Yeah. So what do you think Buddy of Seth's? Buddy Chris was pretty damn good last week. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, that one came to me quick. So what did you think of uh, Seth's new shirt here? I haven't had a good look at it. Um, I guess I will now. Uh, Seth, I mean... It really jumps out of the screen with the other three all in black. And then he's got this like, uh, um, like pastel version of like himself as Christ. It's, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I get, I got a perfect, a uh, good image. It's a stained glass, you know, uh, image of, of Seth Rollins. I think it's a cool idea. Like he, he, he's, he looks like Jesus anyway. Mm-hmm. So it, it works well. Uh, I don't know if this will sell on the level of a bull club shirt at all, but. I think it's a cool shirt. There is certainly it won't be worse wrestling merch this year. What if he starts coming down to the ring like in a white like robe and really embraces the Jesus element? That might be a little much, don't you think? I want to see how far they can push the the Monday Night Messiah until people get upset. Sure. Last week, Buddy Murphy opened his eyes. They recapped last week, and there's a big hug with Seth and Buddy. And Their plan, Owens and Joe's plan with the Big Show failed, and everyone has to decide which side they're on. And this prompts Joe and Owens to come out, and they explain that you guys took out the Big Show, but he'll be back eventually. So Big Show came back for all of two weeks, and he's done. I expected as much, I suppose. You know, maybe I expected actually a more, um, like an actual match or something, like an actual maybe singles, but... um... I don't know. Like, was he? He wasn't even here to promote the 
the TV show, really. Like it just like he showed up because they needed a, a big body for a couple weeks, and then they it, they never brought up that that show he's involved with. No, I mean I guess it's not ready yet to be even promoted, but maybe they just needed somebody of his stature for a couple weeks, and that was sort of it. So, yeah. oh yeah, this this was another topic I want to to throw at you is now that we are th- uh, how many three weeks away. Are you surprised at the lack of promotion on WWE programming for the XFL? Um, yeah, there's nothing. Kind of. There's yeah. nothing. Well, I mean, I've I haven't really heard a thing about it at all. Like, I'm also not watching like whatever uh whatever sports channels that might actually cover it. But like, you, I, I think amongst even wrestling circles, I'm very hearing very little about it. And to even hear that it's three weeks away is definitely a little surprising to me, um, especially on. I, I am most curious about because the first week of the XFL, they're they're on like major networks. Like that first week, they have games on ABC, ESPN, and most importantly on Fox. And the reason that's important, not just because that is a WWE broadcast partner, Fox is the home of the Super Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. And if you're Fox, would you would it not make sense that on your biggest broadcast of the year that you're promoting next week we've got more football? And I'm curious to see if the XFL gets any ad inventory at the Super Bowl this year, and Fox makes a big push for it. I do suppose, you know, like three weeks out. So what, what, exa- what exactly is the start date? February the 8th. The 8th. Okay, so really after the Rumble, it'd be two weeks. Um, yeah, yeah, I am a little, perhaps a little bit surprised. But if, if we do see a push, perhaps it'll be after the Rumble, or maybe even just, quote-unquote, on the go-home edition of Raw. Maybe a little bit of a package, or how much do you feel like it is them wanting to, you know, make it separate, make it separate, as Vince McMahon seemed to do in that first initial press conference. Mm-hmm. And there is now uh, a lawsuit coming out of this as well from one of the shareholders about um, th- this entire thing of mixing it together. So mm-hmm. I am interested to see that. I mean, it's to me, I would have expected at least to see it uh, being promoted on SmackDown being that it's on Fox as well. But I, I'm just comparing it to the last XFL, and maybe that it was much more ingrained with the WWF fabric and how it was being promoted. But that thing, it was a solid year, and you could not go any episode without hearing about the XFL and seeing ads and hearing about an XFL fair catch uh, in Jim Ross's commentary. And you just mm-hmm. compare it to now, and if you're a WWE viewer, you don't even know the XFL exists, yeah, much I less no it's coming up in a couple of weeks. Well, you know, the Rumble has, what, 60 entrants in it, so there's always a room, I think, for a He Hate Me or oh, whoever. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe maybe that is it. But it, it will be very interesting to see if the XFL is promoted during the Super Bowl. I'd be very curious by that. Anyway, we get back to uh, to Raw here. So Big Show's gone. He'll be back eventually. And Joe calls Owens or sorry, calls Rollins a lawyered up asshat. And then Rollins tells them to come dance with destiny and they'll take them on four on two. Joe says they've got backup as the Viking Raiders join in and they storm the ring. Rollins immediately bails, leaving his partners to fight off the other four. And it culminates in Owens hitting a stunner on Akum, Uranagi to Buddy Murphy, and the baby faces clear the ring, and the crusade leaves. How about the asshats? The, the lawyered-up asshats. Yeah. 
Uh, they're kind of wearing ass hats because I don't know if you noticed, but both Rollins and Buddy Murphy were rocking hair buns here. Okay, as part of their look. So, oh, AOP have some growing to do then. I suppose so. Yeah, but the air, the, the the hair bun really—if you're gonna call a hair style any like ass hat—I feel like a hair bun would be the most qualified. The man bun. The man bun. Sorry, man bun. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, Rollins has been going like pretty full on with the whole cult leader thing. Obviously, I think it's a great improvement over the baby face that he was, but I was actually a lot more intrigued in him as a heel when he was sort of doing the tweener thing where he felt like he was doing good for everybody. He still feels that way, but like he was carrying himself at least in a much more of a subtle heel way. Whereas now in the past couple of weeks, I feel like he's just been full on almost like comic book supervillain, full on evil, um, you know. Just needs to like maniacally laugh at this point, but I, I felt like he was almost that much more compelling when when he was almost like a Thanos like villain where he felt like he was doing good but wasn't necessarily spelling it out, spelling out like evil to the audience. But I mean, Raw WWE, it, it's a show that that does tend to you know do go go a bit more black and white. So it feels yeah. like he's doing like a kids version of the Straight Edge Society, like a version that's sure more more wholesome. Because or, this is a character that, that could go very dark and play off of more kind of uh, religious overtones that could make it like really fascinating character, I think. And, and I don't even think it's bad in its current form. I think that this has been something necessary for Seth Rollins, but I think you could go a lot darker and deeper with this character. I agree. I think right now, I mean, if we're comparing it to something like the Strader Society, you know, I, it, it, this has a bigger stage because it's in the main event, but it's it seems to lack a bit of depth right now. As far as, you know, like Rollins motivation, um, what 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 unites the group together uh, beyond just, you know, looking at Seth Rollins as this messiah. I mean, I I, I tend to want a little bit more depth uh, uh, for my heel characters. But um, listen, it's an improvement over uh, <laughs> weddings and uh, cuck angles. <laughs> Andrade Rey Mysterio ladder match for the United States title. They... They made sure to cut to these eight fans in the front row, all wearing the same Rey Mysterio shirt and Rey Mysterio masks. I was I was hoping for like a just like a an arrow pointing over top of them, just to for all of us to be made clearly aware of these these fans <laughs> at ringside. Like what coordination? I mean, maybe it was a bachelor party in Wichita. Could have been. Ray gets driven into the barricade early, and then there's a ladder that is placed on the canvas, and there's a spinning Hurricane Rana from Ray off the turnbuckle, and Andrade lands on this ladder with his neck. Oh, oh my God. This was the first cringy moment of this match. It just, that looked like it sucked. You know, it, it seemed like he was aiming pretty high up on the on the upper back. Um there's no way he could have been aiming God. to land with the neck because that was just death. Uh, yeah. It just looked horrible. You know, this was really early on in the match. So, I mean, finished the rest of it all right. So hope, I hope he's fine. Oh, they took plenty of more damage later yeah. to make you forget about this. Uh, Andrade missed a flying knee into the corner, landing on the floor. And Ray came off the top with a flying senton. Then Ray took out a larger ladder, got it set up in the ring as Andrade's on the floor, but then pulls Ray down and he hits the three amigos with the last one, a suplex to Ray onto the ladder. 
Later on, Andrade blocks a Hurricane Ron off the turnbuckle, power bombs Ray onto one of the ladders that's draped on the middle rope into the main center ladder. That sets up our second commercial break. Then we come back. Uh, Ray sends Andrade into the post. He's climbing the ladder. Both men climb, and then Andrade lifts Ray into the setup for the gory special. And we've got a horizontal ladder that is going against the rope. And Ray goes to turn this gory special into a sunset bomb. But as he flips over, he crashes down into the ladder, followed by Andrade. And this sucked worse than the last one. There were some absolutely painful-looking things in this match. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, God. They were really ambitious, I would say, for a lot of these spots, including something like this. I thought thought he was almost going for a code red, but it could have just been a sunset bomb. Um, Unfortunately, didn't get all of it. But the attempt was admirable, and I I feel like, in the end, the result that I think everybody's looking for is just to see a human body crash through a ladder, and they at least got that. Then there's a 619 hit to Andrade. Everyone is cheering rapidly for Ray. He climbs up the ladder, and then he holds on to the hook with the title, and and the the ladder is removed, so he's hanging above, like, the the Devon Dudley spot. And Andrade pulls him down, and in their mind, it was Ray was gonna like free fall as he lets go into a Hurricane Rana coming down. Instead, Ray nearly broke his neck here. This was maybe the oh. most scary one of them all. Yeah, oh. um, dude, I was in pain watching this. Like this was an absolutely physical ladder match. Like we have watched some Money in the Banks over the last few years that have been. Very safe by prior standards. Mm-hmm. This was throwing all that out the window because there was some horrendous looking stuff here. Well, Not horrendous in the sense that this was was bad, but just some absolutely physical spots with the they, ladder. They were very ambitious, and I would say, yeah, this was definitely designed to be very physical. But I think a spot like this was probably in their mind supposed to be a lot more graceful than it ended up being. Uh, but But Ray got right back up. Yeah, he seemed to be okay, miraculously, from this. Zelina Vega then climbed the ladder to block Ray from climbing. And as he's on the ladder climbing up, she slaps him. Andrade is back, and he hits a hammerlock DDT, sending both of them through the other horizontal ladder. This looked like it killed Andrade way worse than Ray. The ladder breaks, and then Andrade is the first to recover, and he climbs up, grabbing the title at 18 minutes and 45 seconds. This was a wild, wild match. It, it certainly, it was a hell of a match to give away on TV. I mean, I thought this was every bit a pay-per-view level of ladder match. Oh, um, you know, very much I would say of your kind of WWE TLC style ladder match, which meant setting up a lot of obstacles and then watching these guys take a series of big falls in what ultimately resulted in, in a big spot fest. But I thought it was a really, a, several botches aside, I, I thought it was still a very strong sampling of that particular style. I really respected the amount of creativity in the spots that they designed. Not everything was executed flawlessly, but I don't think the match ever fell apart. You know, the crowd's reactions throughout were built up to a high level and sustained at that high level throughout. And they got a bunch of very satisfying crunches through aluminum ladders. So, and again, all the more impressive when you consider that it's a 45-year-old Rey Mysterio doing all this. Yeah, I mean, they, I, I, I think I've really hit my limit on ladder matches just in general. But, man, these guys were super, super hard. It was a captivating match and was, you know, one of your stronger matches that you've seen on Raw in, in quite some time, even with all the 
insanity that was uh, part of this. And afterwards, Zelina takes the padding off of the floor and she's encouraging Andrade to hit him with the hammerlock DDT onto the cement when one of the fans in the Ray mask reveals himself to be Umberto Carrillo, who is going to stop Andrade from taking out Ray the way he did and attacked Andrade. So by the end of this, you had uh, Carrillo coming to Ray's aid and presumably this was the end of Andrade Ray and we segue over to Andrade and Carrillo coming out of this. Yeah, so what's next for Ray? I would think Ray gets moved up into that program with Owens and Joe and hmm. is involved in the, in that feud. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I think Carrillo looks way cooler in a mask. Don't you? Don't uh, you could put him under a mask. I think they believe the man has just um, those he's, dimples. They can't, a, they can't cover them up. You know, the dimples are great. He's a good-looking man, but I, I think he just looks like such a little kid that I I personally think he just looks a bit cooler under a mask. Maybe you can have a mask that like only exposes dimples, like just a circle where his dimples are. Okay. Cover like have, have his cheeks exposed. Yeah, but you cover everything else. Cover the eyes, okay. cover the cover the mouth. Just two holes <laughs> exposing the dimples. How about you have an unmasked match where the loser has to wear a mask between Andrade and oh. Umberto. Loser is masked because so, yeah. and they will take away Umberto's great looks and he'll have to be hidden under a mask. That's a brilliant. And and, and Andrade gets the royalties on the mask. Okay, interesting. Um yeah. That that uh, I love it. I love it. Maybe it could be in a reverse battle royal. Do you think that there's still something left for Ray and Andrade? Because this this match, if you're viewing it as the blow off, didn't incorporate the mask at all. That was right. that was a great angle of unmasking Ray. Do you think that they still get to that point? Because this ladder match did feel like a blow off by the end of it. Unless you're gonna have Ray come back and believe that Zelina cost him the match and they. They take this further. I think that the match was hot enough, and I think that a stipulation like that is big enough that you could definitely go back to it, say for something like Mania. But um, the way this unfolded tells me that they're kind of done with it for now. I, I definitely think that you can go back to, to Andrade Ray at another point, but maybe several months or even a year or two later. Um, it's, you know, I don't know what the whole mask thing was. You know, if it seemed like they might have been teasing something or it could have just been something that spots that they designed to, to get heat. Yeah, they could have, you know, if, if you were going to go that direction, there were certainly opportunities here that you could have focused on the mask again. And there was nothing to that in, in this at all. So I, I don't know if this is it or they do revisit that. It was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So they ran a, a video in memory of him. And this uh, capped off the first hour with a match involving Aleister Black and a dude that took the best black mass I've ever seen. This dude just sprinted at Black, took the black mass, and he lost in eight seconds. I thought this was badass as hell. This like, was great. Only thing that might have made it better, better is if um, Black did a few shoulder shrugs ahead of it. Oh, <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. Um, this was great. This... This this ended the first hour. I thought this first hour was was great. Yeah, it moved well, I thought. You know, in between feuds, I really don't mind Aleister Black going back to these squash matches once in a while. I think they, something like this does more for him than any five-minute match could have. I, I also felt like it might have been a good opportunity for him to cut a promo live 
but they definitely seem to want to keep his talking backstage in the room and not in front of a live crowd. What if instead of uh, just hitting the black mass out of nowhere, he put his hands up in the air and did a countdown? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me think about this. No. Gotta have you gotta prepare the audience for the the black mask. Can't have it just come out of nowhere. Yeah, the countdown thing is 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 a really um, interesting experiment, and I think most interesting is the fact that it it's actually working for Drew McIntyre. Um, I like the way that the the black mask is though. They plugged uh, Brock Lesnar coming up next, and they showed the graphic with nineteen men announced for the Royal Rumble match. So to start off the second hour, Lesnar and Heyman come out. Heyman calls himself the soothsayer of the spoiler. And he feels that everyone takes what Lesnar does for granted. Heyman will outline some feat that Lesnar pulls off and no one is shocked because he's Brock Lesnar. And he does all of these things that Heyman outlines. And Heyman then breaks down the Royal Rumble for us and how it works. And instead of giving specific times in between entrances, he just used the term intermittent intervals. Intermittent intervals, okay. Meaning we can just screw with the times as we see fit on Sunday. Time is only a concept in the WWE. It's a theory. No one in the locker room is worthy of headlining WrestleMania against Lesnar. He chastises the audience for booing Lesnar and asks, is anyone worthy of facing Brock and out comes Ricochet, and I had to get a magnifying glass and make sure I could see what I I did. He was holding a microphone, and I was like, oh boy. <laughs> listen, man. Listen, man. These words just spew out of your mouth, and we listen, and you talk a lot. I mean a lot. He ended up getting into... He actually was not that awful here, by Ricochet standards. He says he has heard the whispers... Some are afraid to step in the ring with Lesnar, and Ricochet takes risks every single time, and he is not afraid. Lesnar refers to Ricochet as lunch meat and tells him to get lost, and Ricochet says that this Sunday is his ticket to WrestleMania, and he is willing to fight for that. So he enters the ring and challenges Lesnar to a fight, and Lesnar just goes to leave, and Ricochet says, what, are you scared? So Lesnar calmly re-enters the ring walks up to Ricochet and kicks him low and down goes Ricochet as Lesnar gets on the mic and says, not scared and walks away. Now I will say this. Okay. I'm not going to make a definitive statement about this segment because maybe Ricochet is going to eliminate this guy in the Royal rumble. I think that Mm. is not happening. And if it does, I will, I will stand here and say, okay, I understood what this was setting up. But boy, did Ricochet feel like a geek by the end of this segment. Okay, well, I I agree with you that I think it, it's a great setup for Ricochet potentially eliminating Brock Lesnar. Um, I don't know if I agreed that he necessarily came across eh, like that big of a geek because I, I would argue that he was already a geek. And I think by <laughs> scripting him here to stand up to Brock Lesnar, I thought, you know, the delivery was... Maybe the most confident and strong that I've heard him since he's been in the WWE. You know, I, was, I thought the promo was fine. It was just the yeah. way he was. He pretty much called out Brock Lesnar, and so Brock it's... just simply took care of him in no eh, no time. Okay, he stood up to the bully. Okay, said said asked the bully if he was scared. Um, and the bully didn't he deliver a low blow? 
Didn't yes. Brock deliver? So, like, Brock had to... Brock Lesnar, a man who's three times the size of Ricochet, had to resort to using a cheap shot to nullify this, you know, geek who, um, you know, who's standing up to the bully. So I would I would argue that I think coming out of this, Ricochet actually gained something because he was... Before, he was the nerd. He was the nerd who wouldn't even approach the... The, the the bully, but now he can at least do that. And in fact, the bully had to resort to dirty tactics to nullify him. So I I hope this segment, what no matter what happens at the Rumble, I hope it leads to a match because I think these two could potentially be a perfect match stylistically. You know? I think you could see the match. Um, they've they do have uh, you know, we are expecting a card in Saudi Arabia at the end of February, and Brock is typically on all of those cards. That's where I could see something like this happening because I definitely do not see this as Lesnar's WrestleMania match. No, I don't either. So, um, so, so going into the Rumble, like, who do you think makes sense? Like, the Rumble is built around Lesnar. Lesnar is like mm-hmm. the storyline of the Rumble. So, what? Who, who to you stands out as the person that should eliminate him, or do you see some other scenario for Lesnar on Sunday? Well, right now, I think Ricochet makes sense for sure. Um, trying to think who else. I mean, Rey Mysterio, if he's not involved with anything, but then could they be going back to that match? Not sure. Uh, is Co- What's Kofi doing at the pay-per-view? Is he def- I think he's announced for the Rumble. I think he's in the Rumble. You know, like, that's a showdown that I think they at least owe the audience something. You know, I'd love to see that. Um, I think day by day, my... My desires and my my theory of him winning the Royal Rumble is getting less, and challenging Brock Lesnar is getting less and less likely. But I think the moment itself, if these two have a face off and give Kofi something, please, you know, that would certainly uh, be a big moment within the Rumble itself. Yeah, it seems like the big ones on Raw are Drew and Aleister Black. Those seem to be the two guys that they've really heated up. And yeah, I, I think like that's the big draw for the Rumble is seeing. Who who eliminates Lesnar and who's paired with him for the Royal Rumble? Yeah, Alistair Black could be could you know I think no matter who it like Drew to me doesn't necessarily feel like he's in a position to get that elimination. Uh, but I think he's getting pushed the hardest now, even above Black. Yes, like yes. he does feel like he is the priority at the moment. Um, pairing mm-hmm. him with Randy, giving him like this little countdown deal. Like he just seems to be the one <laughs> that they're countdown. Honestly, like, like that's the yeah. kind of stuff they come up with when they're, you know, just add some shiny new toy to this guy's presentation. Um, literally, you know, literally strapping the rocket, including the countdown. Yeah. I would, I would say that Drew certainly feels like the hardest pushed right now. So but that, However, then again, he doesn't need to beat Brock Lesnar. You can give Brock Lesnar an elimination to somebody else. If you're going to give Drew the win. You could do both, but I, I think that it, it but makes I guess sense if Brock that has the title. You're right. Yeah. That Brock getting eliminated. It, it's almost like you have two winners this year. It's the winner of the Rumble and the guy that eliminates Lesnar. Like that mm-hmm. could set up two matches there. Uh, yeah. unless you do the one person eliminating Lesnar and winning the Rumble. But I think you could get a benefit out of both. Yeah, yeah. I mean potentially you could do a Lesnar match uh either February or March. Yeah, because you've got the Rumble winner. We, we've got this unannounced Saudi Arabia show, and then they've got Elimination Chamber, and then Mania. So yep. that is your your pathway to Mania. After this segment, Charlie interviewed Randy Orton. He was asked about Drew McIntyre being on par with him as a favorite in the Rumble, and he said Drew's a hell of a guy with a great chop, but he's not on par with me. They're really so, putting over that chop. 
You know, like yeah, they were like really attaching this to Drew. So you know, Miz already had dibs on the figure four, so the chop I guess goes to Drew. I guess so, but I, I would say this was more of a Walter inspired chop than Ric Flair. Um, I feel and I feel like why not? It he does them very well. He he he's got a very loud sound, very much Walter like. So it, it's 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 part of his repackaging along with the countdown. Was he the one that pinned Walter at the Survivor Series? I believe so. Yeah. The the two of them actually had a bit of a chop off. So he's 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 learned the chop and taken yeah. it from Walter. Stolen it from him. So Orton and Drew McIntyre had a match. Uh Orton was getting the be- better of him early and then Drew drove him into the corner and attacked with strikes surprising Randy and then we we worked in the chops and as he's nailing him with chops Randy poked him in the eyes. There's a draping DDT. He calls for the RKO but it stopped the Glasgow kiss and then 3 Two, one, and he goes for the Claymore, and Orton counters with a power slam for a two count. And then as Randy goes for the superplex, he falls to the floor as the OC run in, attacking Drew McIntyre. No bell rings. Uh, AJ well, the, clips. The, the timekeeper was taken out. That's right. That's right. The timekeeper had been taken out by a Claymore kick that missed Randy, and that set up a commercial break. So, so I guess if the timekeeper is taken out, there's nobody who can... Right there, who can assume the no, role. No, there was this yeah. was a specific skill set that belonged to one individual on this show, and he was he was taken out. Yeah, you probably you have to probably like go to like timekeeper school for like seven years, get a doctorate in bell ringing. Yeah, which is uh, kind of ironic that the countdown guy took out the timekeeper. He wants to be the only person who can count. <laughs> so <laughs> the OC. They destroy Drew, and then Orton comes back with a chair, and he helps fight them off. Claymore kick is hit to Carl Anderson, and then Gallows is hit with a chair. And then Orton and Drew are left alone, and Orton hits him with the RKO. Drew gets the mic, and he says into the mic, Randall Keith Orton. And then... (laughs) says give me a mic that works and he slams down this microphone that we all could hear him very audibly i yeah. found that very very entertaining but we could we could hear it on tv but not live I, I guess yes so he then is given back a microphone and says he should have taken him out with the claymore it won't happen again he prays that they are in the ring this sunday at the rumble because he will kick randy's head off of his shoulders win the rumble and main event WrestleMania. He did this all as he was desperately grasping or gasping for breath. It was a very, uh, very painful delivery. But that was our uh, start KO'd. I guess does that affect your windpipe? Um, I guess you are coming maybe. down in the in the throat region. Yeah, he's tired too. Maybe the wind was just knocked out of him. That too. I definitely thought it was a surprising match to make, considering both men are coming off of fresh babyface turns. And in fact, I mean, they seem to be positioning Drew very much like another Randy Orton with his own out of nowhere move. So, but you know, as a result, I kind of expected a non-finish here. So I think you're left asking whether or not the segment was productive for anybody and whether it was worth doing or not. And I actually think it was, you know, despite the finish. I, I think the match I thought was actually really good for a WWE-style match. They set up a stalemate really well between the two at the beginning, and then the rest of it was like really hard-hitting, but with little wasted movement. Drew's chops continue to, to be a standard of his new game, and seeing Randy Orton 
take this amount of like physical punishment with his chest beat red afterwards to me felt like it was like almost waking up Randy Orton out of his usual, you know, very formulaic lackadaisical style a bit. So I thought this was a good looking Randy Orton babyface match too. And I think the post-match was good. Post-match put the focus back on Drew setting up his intentions of delivering that receipt to Randy Orton and winning the rumble. So I, I, I actually thought this was productive. Do you see Drew as a potential winner of the rumble? For sure. Um, Almost a little too telegraph right now, though, don't you think? Yeah, they, they've made it heavy. And, you know, he could be put in the Lesnar role, but doesn't win. Um, you know, with, with the winner, it's they can really go several directions between Raw and SmackDown. But, it's yeah, he's, he's certainly one of the guys they've isolated. Yeah, I, I do find it harder to predict this year. Charlie's with Charlotte Flair, and she talked about eliminating the most women last year in the rumble and was the second to last in. And she got be- She got eliminated by someone who wasn't even scheduled to be in the match. And Becky Lynch appears here, but then just walks away. And it was just a quick promo from Charlotte. And this was our only involvement from Charlotte in the entire show. I thought this promo, like it was one of those like bad scripted promos where somebody talks for a long time and says absolutely nothing. Like, uh, like what did she say here? I'm confident. I'm always prepared. Yep. This was a... Uh, Breaking news, right. everybody. Yes. She got to the building probably around noon for this. Yeah. And this is what she prepared all week for. Becky's in the ring. She said that Asuka did her a favor last week because after being blinded by the mist, she can see clearly now. The rain is gone. Maybe Asuka is the one who should be doubting herself, and maybe that explains the sneak attacks and the fact that she's facing Kyrie Sane tonight instead of her. And says so she lost to Asuka last year, but who won in the end? I've been around the world as the man, and you've been on YouTube making soup. I thought it was really funny. As somebody who was a fan of Asuka's YouTube channel, which, by the way, you can also see her make rice. You can see her play video games as well. Uh, have you checked it out? I haven't, no. I would be interested in watching Asuka make soup. It is it is weirdly like fascinating. So, you know, you compare a promo like this to what Charlotte just did backstage, and I thought this was so much better from Becky. You know, Becky had a point here. Becky now thinks Asuka is the one who's actually doubting herself, and not Becky, who feels like she was doubting herself the entire time. Plus, it made me laugh with the soup line. So, all in the same amount of time it took Charlotte to say absolutely nothing... Like, Becky just entertained me and also had a point. So Becky and uh, Kyrie saying, uh, Kyrie just came back over the weekend. It was her first match since uh, the the injury she sustained at TLC. So right. back here. And Asuka attacks Becky with Kyrie's umbrella uh, in the left knee. So that sets up our commercial. And when we come back, Asuka is just seated on the turnbuckle for the rest of this match. It was nice of the ref to... Allow this, wasn't it? Yeah, this was very accommodating. Hmm. Never explained why she was there. She she just was. So she just occupied a corner of the ring. Becky made her comeback and then missed in the corner, took a forearm off the top from Sane, but then she returned with an inverted DDT and a leg drop for a two count. Goes for the disarmer, but Sane gets out, and there's this elevated DDT by Kyrie for a two count. Becky then takes back control, nails Asuka off the turnbuckle, and hits the Bexploder, spin kick, disarmer, and submits Sane in nine minutes, but then gets jumped by Asuka, who applies the Asuka lock, and that ends the segment, setting us into the Rumble on Sunday. 
I thought a pretty average match considering I think the usual standard of, of both women. Not that impressive to me, but the booking was very textbook and totally makes sense. Um, Becky beats Asuka's partner and Asuka beats her down afterwards. I think the storytelling overall has been good for this match and it's really all come from Becky Lynch's storytelling performances. Really, Asuka has done a good job as well in, I think, her, her limited role of just kind of being this, you know, very dominant force, but it's really been Becky that's been doing the heavy lifting here, talking about her uh, mental struggles and showing a, a great deal of, I think, you know, um, uh, what, what do you call it? Yeah, just trying to overcome this this obstacle, yeah, this mental hurdle. Like she is vulnerability. Playing... Vulnerability is what I, I meant to say. Yeah, for, for a, he, a hero. So, yeah. So this was. Um, I I almost feel like Becky was like. It almost seemed like too much of a departure from kind of the the tone of the promos leading up to this, which I, I've kind of enjoyed, and I think that it. It would it will make the win feel that much more important for Becky because it has been the struggle to beat Oscar and it's been for, you know the, this loss that's ha- hung over her for a year and that she comes out of it that much stronger when she finally gets this big win and it means a whole lot more than simply just a match to yeah, just have a place at the Rumble. I think like now that the the match now that this was the go home show it was time for for Becky to regain that confidence which I think she she explained here that after being misted, she could see that it, it's actually Asuka that's just a, as in much doubt as Becky has been this whole time. So I, I feel like the, like she took us on like a pretty good arc, I would say, over the past several weeks. Then they, uh, they aired the Rocky Johnson tribute video with Jerry Lawler mentioning their 1976 program in Memphis. And after that, Sarah Schreiber catches up with Asuka and Kyrie Sane, and Sarah Schreiber asks Asuka, is this the type of champion you want to be? Someone that needs others to help? And then, in a line for the ages, someone that uses toxins as an advantage? <laughs> I, dude, I was so ready for Asuka to just stare at this woman and missed her right in the face. I thought they lost, they missed a golden opportunity for Schreiber to just get misted here from Oscar. What a what a stupid premise for this uh, setup. Someone that uses toxins as an advantage. <laughs> Who comes up with this? <laughs> Clearly, so, not somebody who's ever done a real interview in their whole lives. Whoever's writing these questions, I thought they were terrible today. I mean, they're usually they're they're almost always bad. Like whatever Charlie and Sarah have to say, but. God, unless dude. unless this is Gary Hart explaining the dangerous toxins that the the Kabuki, the great Kabuki can uh, conjure up in his in his uh, intestines, I don't know how this could uh, possibly work. I thought the all the interviews were just scripted so unrealistically, and like God, at the end of this one too, <laughs> Sarah just has this look into the distance. You know how they like have to like freeze almost like they have to play like musical chairs at the end of all of these. They just have to freeze or not like whatever. They have to stop. Um and then as they fade, fade away, Sarah just like delivers this look into the distance with the deadest pair of eyes you'll ever see on a living being. Maybe she inhaled some of these toxins that were not visible. Oh she's she was paralyzed. She was high. The Viking Raiders defended the tag titles against Rollins and Buddy Christ. AOP, Joe, and Owens are all out in the corners. Murphy wants to start the match, so he, he hugs Rollins. 
Eric then nails him with this flying knee and slams Ivar on top of him. Joe and Owens get into it with AOP. Everyone brawls. And when we come back from break, they've been ejected. So then Murphy gets into his, uh, his uh, Abushi stretch with uh, Akamagoye, or as Vic Joseph calls it, oh, what a knee from Murphy. Frog splash is delivered by Seth Rollins for a two count. Then Eric hits his own knee. There were like 10,000 knee strikes in this match. The Viking experience gets stopped by Seth Rollins. Both are sent to the floor, and the Viking Raiders hit suicide dives together. Then they stop Ivar in the corner. Cheeky Nando's kick, double-team powerbomb, and then it's Ivar with the handspring double-back elbow to both men. Eric comes in, and they powerbomb Murphy. Ivar then climbs up the turnbuckle. Rollins shoves him, and he lands back first onto the edge of the apron. His spine just implodes, and he's dead. Flying knee from Murphy delivered to Eric, who is draped on the bottom rope. Rollins hits the stomp, and then Murphy pins Eric. So we have new Raw Tag Team Champions, Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. Rollins hit hit the stomp on the apron. On the apron, oh, yes. Yeah. So that means death. Yes, yes. So the I, Viking Raiders are no more. I thought a really good match between these two teams. You know, wonderful finishing sequence, great finish. Like, this was an actual curb stomp, okay, if this was, like, on the apron, but... I, I'm certainly disappointed for the Viking Raiders, who, in my opinion, have really not established a whole lot in this tag title run. But it, it almost just seems like part of the course for this like WWE tag team title championship. You know, they they're typically put on a real tag team, but because the the the, the division itself doesn't get any sort of airtime seriously, the belts and the teams just kind of linger in in this like I don't know very neutral plane. Until when a singles main event program calls for a device like a tag team title, they take them from the tag champions who were really just keeping the belts warm. Do you realize, like Seth Rollins, how often he's been put in this position? Do you realize that Seth Rollins has won the tag titles with a new partner for the past four years? Okay, he, In 2017, he won them with Ambrose, held it for only about two months. But that was an eternity compared to the rest of his reigns. Because in 2017, he held them with Jason Jordan for one month, Ambrose again for two weeks. 2019 with Strowman for yep. one month, and now in 2020 with Buddy Murphy. So in the he Seth Rollins is a six-time tag team champion with five different people, and I can only expect this Buddy Murphy reign to maybe last. I'm hoping at least more more than two weeks. Well, um, I think he needs to win it with a few, uh, like two more partners, and then we could have uh, the disciples. The disciples. Yeah, he could mm-hmm. have his own. Disciples. Oh, okay. Because there, there are eight disciples. Seven. Seven disciples. Sorry. You're going to have to educate me on some of that stuff. Yeah. I, I guess he, he has one to spare because uh, one of them probably isn't coming back anytime soon. Probably not. No. You know, but all that said, I'm I'm actually looking forward to a lot more matches with Rollins and Murphy. Like, they're a team I had no idea wa- I wanted. You know, their styles complement. They had a lot of good chemistry for yeah. a, a, two guys that have never teamed up together before. They're like two of the fastest, I think, most precise guys you have on that roster, both with like really cool looking, you know, very Japanese inspired moves. So I'm sure these two are like gathered around playing Fire Pro or like, I don't know, like reading Weekly Gong or something all the time. Um, like they're almost like, if Rollins wasn't so hated, like they'd be a great modern babyface tag team that would fit perfectly in like an AEW tag team division. Or, or New Japan or PWG tag team division. Yeah, it's. I, I'm very interested of what where Seth Rollins lands at Mania this year. Like, where, what is his program for WrestleMania this year? 
So you don't think you'll be holding the tag team belts till then? Probably not. That would be my guess. I, I would be stunned if we're getting Rollins and Murphy defending these Raw tag titles at WrestleMania. But yeah. um, who knows? Like, yeah. Do they, do they hold off on Rollins with well Joe or Owens until then? I, I mm-hmm. can't imagine that they're going to extend this for, for that period of time. I, I You know what it, I would love to see? I would love to see Rollins end up with Ray by the end of this whole thing. Oh, that, that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds really good. You Think know. of the outfits, the outfit war between those two at WrestleMania. Yeah, both of them like typically do pop culture references. Um, so maybe this year, what would it be? Ray would have to be um, the Irishman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just picturing him as like uh, playing uh, Al Pacino's character. Yeah. That would be as as Jimmy Hoffa, <laughs> Ray Hoffa. Um, I don't know what. what d- I don't know. Do we have any like big movies coming out in the in the next month or so? That, yeah, I mean, uh, Marvel really was kind of like it peaked last year. Everybody was like cosplaying as that. This um, the Star Wars, not really the the time for that. Um, oh, maybe it'd be the Watchmen. Maybe he can go as a you know movie. Ray, I saw Ray, over the Ray will definitely dress up as Baby Yoda. I feel. I think okay, make a great that Baby that Yoda. actually would be great. Yes, <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, you should. Baby, no, no, no. That, that's, that's Shorty G's should. role. <laughs> shorty yoda shorty why shorty why um the movie i saw over the weekend was that um that film knives out have you heard of oh, this yeah i have oh. in fact uh, i haven't seen it but i i've been actually meaning to make my way through all the uh oscar noms a hundred percent go and watch this oh okay yeah well i highly recommend uh parasite i'm gonna see parasite yeah that was very good i also this was not nominated, but I highly recommend The Farewell. That was a, a personal favorite of mine. But what else? I, is- I read the description. That looks way too depressing. It's actually not. It's actually a lot a lot more com- comedic than, than you would expect. But anyway, who do you think is winning Best Picture? Um, let's detour. Why not for a little bit more? Four, yeah, so, you- so we got Ford versus Ferrari. We got The Irishman. We got Jojo Rabbit, which I watched this weekend. It was uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. The Joker. Little Women. Marriage Story, which I don't know if you've seen yet on Netflix. Haven't. No, very good too, but um, can be a little depressing as well. But but very well uh, performed. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, nineteen seventeen, and Parasite. I've seen quite a few of these. I've seen yeah, like half. Um, I think this is. I just feel Parasite is going to like clean up this year. That feels like to like it is like the hot movie this year that is going to perform best with the with the academy of the movies i have seen um i really enjoyed the irishman more than most people did i know uh, a lot didn't enjoy the length but i would not say it was the best picture um of those um i i mean i i think ford versus ferrari i i am planning to see that very soon so i will uh i've heard that's very good uh once upon a time in hollywood i i don't see that winning best picture um I feel like they'll give Parasite um, best international feature or picture or whatever. Um, I wonder. I wonder if. I wonder if Joker really has a chance. Like it's got the most nominations, but I can see it? Joaquin Phoenix winning best actor. Right. Um, I, I don't know who he's up against. He is nominated, I assume. Yes. Yes. I'm not up on my nominations at all. I mean, he's he's outstanding in it. I, I think that that. It's more so his performance than the actual movie itself that I think was the big takeaway. True, true. Okay. 
There you go. That's our that's our handicapping. I, I need to see more of these. I can't really. Sc- uh, Scarlett Johansson's nominated for be- for best supporting and best actress for Endgame. No, not for Endgame. No, oh. for Marriage Story and best uh, actress, and also best supporting was Jojo Rabbit. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it as well. Florence Pugh, who played Paige in the yeah, the that's movie. right. She's in Little Women, and wasn't she in something else as well? Or is it just Little Women? This year, I think it's just Little Women, but she's in uh, Black Widow coming up. Right. Okay. So uh, we go (laughs) back to uh, our Razzie nominees, uh, the Street Profits, for the Monday after the weekend update, which is back. It's not only back way. They designed a logo for this fucking segment. So we're getting plenty of these. It's here to stay. Man, when when you have graphical elements, that means you're committed to it. So here they are. Montez Ford looks like he's on the lowest setting on his chair that he needs to adjust. He looks way too far down uh, against this desk. Uh, yeah, wow. He's uh, just way too low. He needs he needs like a booster seat or something. Something I think you and I sometimes have issue with on the hangout. We we do. Yes. Well, you got to be aware of it. It's details. Yeah. Okay. So I I don't even know how to recap this. Heyman is. Brock Lesnar has entered number one in the Royal Rumble. Paul Heyman is entering number one in St. Elmo's Shrimp Eating Contest. Because he's fat, everyone, and he eats a lot of food. Is that a real thing? Yeah, it is. Shrimp Eating Contest. I looked it up. Yeah, and also the punchline, really, though, John, was the fact that when Paul Heyman's done, shrimp will be extinct. Yeah, that fat, <laughs> fat ass, Paul. Dawkins is sick of reboots like Party of Five and Lizzie McGuire. Meanwhile, WWE has seven hours of programming, and that's seven hours of new content every week as they show a picture of Miz and the Mor- and Morrison. Yeah, which Ford points out, hey, maybe we should choose that graphic. Okay, listen, I thought for, for all the stuff that they've done in, as part of these segments and a lot of their promos, this was actually pretty clever. Like, this was probably the um, Joaquin Phoenix, okay, of of uh, <laughs> Street Profits promos as of late. Yeah, yeah, when the Emmy nominations come, come by. I, I can't wait for Angela Dawkins to get that nomination. Uh, then they had their Royal Rumble correspondent, R-Truth, who started talking about Houston and they explained, we don't want you to talk about Houston. We just want you to talk from Houston. Um, and he's entering the Royal Rumble at number 420 because he's high. Then they played a montage of Otis with Val Venus's old theme song for Mandy Rose. And that was the Monday after the weekend update. I'll be nice and I'll say this was certainly better than their first version of this. But that only makes it terrible instead of god awful. Yeah, I, I would say they're over two with these. Um, it's so bad. It's like it's the type of amateur comedy set somebody would go to just to see people bomb. Like if you're somebody who gets a great deal of pleasure from seeing people suffer, I think this this might be for you. Yeah, I, it's just very sad with the Street Profits who had such a natural, organic, cool factor about them. That they have just done a number on to just leave absolutely none of it left in these two. Yeah. 
Yeah, compared to I think their their other, I guess the more their NXT content. Like, well, how much do we know that they aren't involved in this? Maybe they're the, maybe this was what they were working on over the past week. Well, Ford. maybe. Eric Rowan took on 1999 Matt Hardy, who is in phenomenal shape for 45. I would say so. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you think about these rumors of, of him potentially being the leader of the Dark Order? I I'm always hesitant to just assume that someone is a hundred percent leaving. Um, if you're Matt Hardy, um, I, I would lean more towards him leaving than staying. That would be my assumption, but it's really hard to jump to that conclusion, knowing that the offers that, you know, a Matt Hardy is going to get you're 45 and you may get an incredible deal, which is probably going to be the last contract of your career. And, do you want to take the risk and go elsewhere um, or just take the, the sure thing, which is a tremendous financial offer to just stay here? So yeah, I, th- I think creatively you'll be very unfulfilled here. And he's a guy that's very creatively motivated. So I that that's what he's going to have to weigh. And if you look at his track record, he is someone that seems to lean more towards being creatively fulfilled than financially. But it's a very difficult decision to make when you when you have a family and you're staring at that offer on paper and it's a real thing and not just uh, this money being a concept. Well, I would say like if if there's any attempt to be to be made to, to try to get entice him to stay, I, I don't know if putting him in a squash match with Eric Rowan would be you know um, something I would be doing. So I, I don't know. I, I I definitely kind of looked at this as maybe a sign of hey like. We're probably not going to do that much more with you. Well, if he, if he's looking at it that you know Matt Hardy, from all accounts, is someone that you know saved a lot. He he lives very well. That you know going to going to AEW, I'm going to be creatively fulfilled, and I, I'm still going to make good money no matter what I do. But now is the time. Like he's got to make that decision of like where where am I going to end my career? And WWE does have the, I will say. Two weeks ago, WWE had the benefit of, I know this place will be here and I'll have whatever role I want mm-hmm. after my in-ring career. Whereas AEW, it's like the jury's still out. Today, that's very different. AEW has a lot of security now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he he has an interesting choice to make. Let me ask you this, though. If you're AEW, um, is Matt Hardy someone that you aggressively go after if you're you know, not trying to just break the bank for any available name that comes by. How important is Matt Hardy to you? Yeah, not necessarily. I would say, I wouldn't say aggressively, you know, I, I wouldn't be offering him this, the type of deal that I'd be offering, you know, somebody like John Moxley or even Chris Jericho. I don't think Matt Hardy at this point is that level of a difference maker, but um, even maybe, maybe somebody on the level of, let's say a Dustin Rhodes, you know, I, I, I think you can, because you can tell that he is so creatively frustrated, I feel like Matt Hardy, even for a lesser, much lesser offer than um, some of the higher end people that they're being paid, uh, that AEW is paying, uh, I think he would, personally, I feel like he would take it. I think he seems like somebody who uh, values creativity a bit more than money, and I, I think I would go after him at a reasonable level. Not uh, if his demands are that hey, I want to be paid the same as your top top stars. I would probably leave at at that point, but I don't think he would. I don't think he necessarily 
I don't know. I can't. I can't really say. But I, if I was AEW, I would go after him. I'd be respectful, of course. But I also wouldn't offer him top money. No, certainly not. Yeah, but you could offer him. You know, certainly the the creative freedom to. No, well, a lot more than he has uh, through this go around and what yep. went on with like the Woken character, but coaching you, role, a, a coaching role, which I think he'd be tremendous in similar to a Dustin Rhodes. Like, could you imagine this guy just having a program with a Sammy Guevara or, you know, numerous guys that could benefit greatly from working with a Matt Hardy and Matt Hardy. He's a guy that if you hire, there are numerous jobs that he could fulfill beyond just in ring. And really, come on, I can't, it's hard for me to think of, like, many other ways to save this Dark Order thing. Well, I, I'm not dying to see him be that leader in that role, but it certainly uh, needs something at this point. And I, and I guess Matt Hardy would be as good a choice as any to be revealed as this leader. Back to this match. Um, okay, I, I don't know what the fuck happened here. So Rowan opens up his cage, reaches in, and th- whatever's in here bites his hand, and he starts bleeding. Now, that part's amusing, but the part that was hysterical was that referee Derek Moore put on the latex gloves <laughs> that he would for a guy that's been <laughs> unintentionally uh, opened up. Uh, because because his hand is ble- has like mock blood on it from this creature that has bit him, and I just found that priceless. He won in two minutes and twelve seconds, beating Matt. Well, you got to sell the the blood as if it's real, and um, that's what they did here. This I- this thing, the only thing this angle didn't have was time, because this should have made some of our worst of lists, and it just didn't have enough time to. But it's yeah. off to a roaring start in two thousand twenty. I don't think it would have won, though. Like, what won last year for worst gimmick? Like, it's Shorty this, G. Th- yeah, this wasn't beating Shorty G. It's not beating, you know, uh, what's it, Mike Kanellis. Um, but it, it definitely It's on the road, too. It's on the road. Give this thing time. This, ha- this thing has to culminate with something, and it has all the makings of being horrendous. It's true. If that, if that landing is, is very disappointing, it definitely could put this in contention. So, you know, I've been curious to see how they would evolve this mystery bag thing. Um, but I think this biting gimmick is really stupid. Like even a dog knows not to do something again if it feels pain. And so this is the second week Eric Rowan has willingly put his hand into his cage and drew blood in his own hand. So Eric Rowan is, is dumber than a dog. That's all they're really proving with these matches thus far. Is this maybe their, their subtle commentary, um, of Luke Harper that whatever's in this cage is it's biting the hand that fed it. I think that's way too deep for a for a show that also has a. If this thing is named like Lucas or something or or Brody, uh, then I think we can read into this a bit more. I would say that's a lot of work for um, not much of a payoff. Pretty petty payoff, honestly. More Sarah Schreiber. She's with Owens and Joe. They will eventually take care of Rollins and Buddy Murphy. There's a lot of things that eventually are going to be taken care of. Big Show will eventually take care of them, uh, and now they'll eventually take care of the tag champions. They have a big to-do list. A a lot to set up. New Year's resolutions. Owens has nothing in common with them, but he does now because Rollins and Murphy are in the Royal Rumble, and so is he. And then Joe adds his name as well. 
Joe says that when it comes to Rollins, he'll always stand by Owen's side. But in the Royal Rumble, if you stand in my way, I'll go right through you. So we have more names for the Rumble. Charlie is with Mojo Rawley, who I was amazed kept this title for an entire week. And he said that in the past, this title has been held by cowards who run at the threat of danger. So the idea is that Mojo is not afraid of any of these geeks coming after him. And the Sings try to outsmart him and they get destroyed. So they're going ahead with Mojo Rawley as a, a serious 24-7 champion. Yeah. Like he's the guy who doesn't fall for the, the um, schoolboy attempts. He He's an actual... Like he's the, the um, he's the Brock Lesnar of the twenty four seven division. So maybe this dude's winning the Rumble, so he can ch- challenge for what? He's already got the top prize in the, the industry. unification match at WrestleMania. Oh, the twenty four seven Universal WWE Champion. Yeah, for sure. I actually, I, I'll just say oh. like they have a lot of work, a long way to go if if they're trying to get people to take this twenty four seven title a bit more seriously, but. Uh, it's certainly an improvement for Mojo. And then Lashley and Lana came out. I I totally forgot about this match. I was like, what are we finishing Raw with? And then I remembered this mixed tag that they did not... I don't think they mentioned this at all during the show. Yeah, maybe aside from a graphic. Like they didn't it's almost like they this. didn't want to remind you that this is at the end of the show. Well, it's almost as if like this this wasn't the main event. And that it was just like, I don't know, bonus match at the end. And the real main event was Murphy and, and Rollins. This felt like the weakest thing on the show, even though I guess you could cherry pick things like Eric Rowan's creature biting him. Oh, this is worse. Lashley and Lana come out. Lana says that Rusev Day is canceled, so they chant Rusev Day. She cuts a promo on the fans being low rent, bottom feeding losers that are jealous of their love. And all she wants is a thank you. She's she's Chris Jericho now. And she tries to start a thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Lana chant. Thankfully, Rusev and Liv Morgan came out. We got a match. Lana called herself the best wrestler in the world and then hit this head kick on Liv for a two count. They traded slaps. Then the men come in, which was highlighted by Rusev yelling, come on, Bob. Lana then stopped Rusev. Lashley nearly ran into Lana. There's a kick out. Lana hits Rusev. Lashley then has him beat, but Liv Morgan makes the save. Yes, Liv Morgan stops Bobby Lashley from finishing a pinfall. Then she takes out Lashley with a step up in Siguri. Rusev hit a head kick. Machka kick gets stopped when Lana grabs his foot and sets up the spear. Lashley pins Rusev in all of three minutes and 27 seconds. And Vic Joseph says, King, can you imagine what Lana will be saying on social media? That is your... Doom that comes out of this that's finality. The, that's the go-home line for the Royal Rumble? Can you imagine what Lana will be saying on social media? Yeah. This really didn't feel like it was the main event of the show. Like, I thought it was actually the weakest match on the show, even at, what, 377? <laughs> that's not even a real time. Dude, this program is so over at this point. Like, any, even I think the most... Uh, anyone that got some charm out of this angle because of the over-the-topness... You, you don't even get that anymore. It's not even unintentional comedy. It's just this thing has just definitely hit its expiration date. I, I don't disagree at all. I I, I mean, but then I, I would have said after week one, this thing hit its expiration date. And look how far they've dragged it. I, I will say I think it's very, it's very noticeable 
how little interest the audience has in actually seeing a wrestling match come out of this program. Like between, you know, the Lashley um, uh, Rusev match that took place before to like anytime it's in ring, it's the worst part of this program. Um, and I, I feel like people are just there for the trash, trashy, you know, train wreck Jerry Springer talking segments. Those those are the main draw. Like those are potentially main event worthy. It's the matches that just. Well, and you've kind of run the gamut. You've done the divorce. You've done the wedding. Yeah, How much more do we have left? You could do a real pregnancy. You know, I say real because the last one was supposed to be fake. Um, sure, you can find more lovers from their past. You could do par- parents. Um, there are lots of ways to go. Yeah, I think we're done at this point. I, I don't think that Lana has certainly been given a lot more speaking roles. I think she definitely has more of a presence now on the show. I don't think this angle's done anything for Lashley. Um, Rusev has been able to make it work for him, but I feel he's in the exact same spot he was before this. Like he was always kind of this this goofy, fun baby face. Like that's what he had um, moved into that role, and this seems to have just reinforced that that same role. Like he hasn't improved his standing in any way. He's also he's just like kept losing. He's like, a mid card baby face, and he was one coming in, and he's one coming out of this program. So I. I think it's just. I think it's been good for Lana. Uh, I don't think she's been great in this role, but they certainly see a lot in her. Um, it's a role for Liv Morgan, but Lashley and Rusev, I, I feel they're in the exact same spots they were at the beginning of this. So I can't even say this has greatly enhanced their their standing. I think it's been a really disappointing role for Liv, you know. And I feel like three weeks in, I feel like I could say that now because I had high hopes coming out of those segments. When she, where she was talking about revealing her true self. She can now finally be who she really wants to be. And this is who you really want to be. You know, like an accessory to, to Rusev in this, like, terrible storyline. Well, do All you right. think they, do you think that they got um, backlash or got scared off of going the lesbian direction that they were clearly hinting at in the in the wedding? Perhaps, yeah. And if that was the intent of who she really wanted to be, I would say that might have been even worse. Because, I mean, I think... I think that would have upset a lot of people if they went that way. I mean, but... it's not like the portrayal... Like, she's supposed to be a babyface. And and I think the portrayal of, of whatever uh, same-sex relationship that they were trying to create was, was really not a positive one at all. It was, like, one made for a punchline. Um, so, I don't know what the direction is for her right now. I will say that she does, I mean, look somewhat improved in ring from what little we saw of her. But in terms of character, in terms of storyline, I think this was... This is a bad way to come back. It was kept short, at least. Like, could you have imagined this getting two segments at the end of the night? Um, yeah. There's, there was no way. So they at least were smart to keep this to three and a half minutes. And that was that was the end of Raw. I thought um, the weakest stuff they saved for the end of the show, like with the Rowan stuff that mm-hmm. I'm just so done with, and then this main event thing. But overall, I, I thought this was a very good episode of Raw, um, throwing out the uh, uh, some of the third hour. I thought it was pretty watchable tonight, you know, and I think the break has really made me start to re- under like understand what I actually consider good versus what I find tolerable. And I say that because if I had my open Monday, I don't think I would choose to sit down to watch this. Um, but because I am, because I sort of have an obligation to do it, I've my barometer these days is almost like 
can I get through this show without completely just wanting to die? And I was far from Jesus that. Jesus Christ, what a what a what a ratings scale. <laughs> but that's reality, right? You know, like otherwise, what are we trying to judge here? We're grading the show on a curve. If we're trying to say a show is good, that other we would otherwise have no reason or, or desire to watch, right? But this was uh, okay. If I if I have to say, like amongst all the raws that have taken place over the past year, this was perhaps one of the better ones. Uh, I found it watchable. I found it. I was even entertained for much of it. Great Andrade Ray match. Great Rollins Murphy and Raiders tag match. I even enjoyed the stuff with Drew and Orton. There's nothing that offensive about it, nor did it drag. Um, but I can't necessarily say this was good. This was a good TV show or a great TV show because it was just so long. This was a very good one-hour show. It was a, I'll say, good two-hour show, and sure. it was a, it was a, it still becomes a chore at three hours, and I think that's that's uh, the best of weeks. But I, I think overall, the last couple of weeks, I, I think Raw has been significantly improved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we are coming up on two hours, so let us get to this feedback <laughs> quickly. Uh, Ratings tonight's for, as we complain about. Anyway, yes. Yeah. Well, we are. Uh, we're, we're, we're we're all killer. We're on special. This show. Okay. You need more of us. Five point four eight is what the forum gave this show, so I think a little uh, less inclined to give a thumbs up on Raw. Brandon from Oshawa, I really thought this was a great show up until the Street Profits. Oh yeah, the Street Profits that was terrible too. Uh, when the show dropped considerably from there, man, there was a lot of shit in this third hour. Yeah, maybe they knew people weren't going to watch anyway. Joe Owens and the Viking Raiders should stick together as a team. I need a stable war. We haven't had one on the main roster in too long. As much as the cuck angle sucked, I thought they did a good job of getting Rusev hot again, but now he looks like a joke and lost three times to Lashley. Is this pretty much confirmation that he's leaving? I know they suck at booking babyfaces, but they can't be this inept, can they? we got Andrew from Cape Breton who says, I remember years ago, Landstorm did an interview and he talked about how he and Regal were supposed to go over the hot babyfaces Booker T and Goldust for the tag title, and Storm asked about if they could throw the babyfaces a bone. I wish they did that with Rusev. I know 50-50 booking isn't the best, but at a certain point, the matches need to end if you're going to just beat a babyface into powder, especially considering the storyline. I get it. Rusev is a loser. Can we just move on? Matt Hardy's career in WWE seems to also have gone full circle with him starting out jobbing and ending it jobbing. One positive, though, is in today's wrestling scene, this just gives Matt sympathy before he leaves for his next destination. Anyway, a decent show overall. 5 out of 10. That's what I mean, like... Is five out of ten really a decent now? It's uh it gets you the pass. Okay. Paul from New Jersey. Very solid edition of Raw. Up until the weekend update skit. Rollins is flourishing as a heel again, and I'm glad Buddy Murphy wasn't discarded right after the Alistair Black feud. Pretty solid ladder match, and I like what they did with Orton and McIntyre. I just can't understand for the life of me what they're doing with the Street Profits. If you stopped watching the show at 10.30, there was little to complain about. So I did. Why watch the main event cuck angle if you're not getting paid for it? Uh, Question. Do the ratings increase whenever Lesnar is announced for TV? No, not really. Number two, is it just me or did Ricochet sound better on the microphone tonight? Perhaps he heard Post Wrestling's worst of 2019 show. He did sound better tonight. I'm going to give him that. Yes, he did. Alexander from Portland says, I strongly dislike the finish to Andrade and Ray. I can't recall the last match Andrade had that Zelina had that Zelina didn't interfere in. 
Having Zelina constantly interfere in matches builds heat, but for me, it's turned to go-away heat as opposed to effective heel heat. No matter how good Andrade is in the ring, I find it so hard to get into his matches when there's interference in like 90% of them. Secondly, wooden ladders have jumped the shark. Wooden ladders? What? Well, when they when they do the, the broken ladder spot, it's uh, a the gimmick. I don't know what they're using, but they're obviously gimmick what? ladders. It's metal. I don't know if they're wood. Is it, was it made of wood? It didn't shatter like wood. Um, I, I, I don't know what it is they use, but it, it's not like a legit ladder that they're literally breaking okay. as these guys go through it. Like okay. They're certainly gimmicked up. Negativity aside, it's great to see Buddy Murphy winning a title on the main roster. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time we saw a former Cruiserweight champion win a title that wasn't the Cruiserweight Championship, right? Um, sure. Is it? Um, I mean, if you don't include the 24-7. Yeah, if you include the 24-7 title, uh, Tozawa's won that. Um, um, did Neville win anything uh, besides NXT. the Cruiserweight title? Was Neville, uh, was Neville a tag I mean, Buddy Murphy won an NXT tag title. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think who else. Who are the Enzo? other Cruiserweight no, champions? No, Enzo. Wasn't Enzo, Enzo a tag only... champ? No, he wasn't. I don't think so. Wow. Okay, sure. It's a stat nobody cares about, but um, yeah. Please correct Sam, us if we're wrong. Sam from Nebraska. This week's Raw was a weaker episode than last week's, which I felt was a solid show. And while I could go on about the awful Monday after weekend update and how that during the Martin Luther King video that the WWE would only show white police officers with people of color in the modern day footage as some real apparent political statements. But I digress. What was up with the WWE adding some digital green mist to the replay of Asuka and Becky from last week? It looked awful and was just garbage. I didn't notice that at all. I wasn't paying close attention if they mm-hmm. added digital green mist to the replay. I did not pay attention either. Yeah. I, that sounds kind of cool. I want to see that now. Digital mist. Yeah. It sounds like an EDM group. Digital <laughs> mist. Sounds like an EDM festival, really. All right. Oh. Brandon from New Jersey says, Hello, darkness, my old friend. It is I. Brandon, been a minute since we spoke. What's new? Anywho, it's been so long, I've forgotten how to do this, so bear with me. I've been missed, and for that I am back. How about them blizzards in Newfoundland? My god, huh? Did they invest in shovels? That's a workout, eh? I'm stalling, so here goes. But man, this show was good for the first few hours. Then, like a wet fart in the wind, the show turned for the worse. Andrade and Ray fighting for those coveted DVR ratings points was a joy to watch, so the new rockers, Buddy and Seth winning the straps, was fun stuff. Meanderings. Way, how are you? good john who was the next for mcgregor now that he is back those shoulder strikes were mad intense you feel me i think masvidal bodies him and uzman beats him on the ground plus he has mayweather connor Rhodes are paved in gold also is pettis headed to bellator to fight his brother or just headed to bellator um bellator bellator yeah Thank you, Brandon. We always appreciate your uh, your questions and observations about the world at large. Um, if I depict the fight I, I want to see most, it is the Masvidal fight. Mm. I think it's really an uh, an intriguing fight. I don't know if I would f- I would pick Connor in that fight. I would likely lean Masvidal, but I think that would be both the most entertaining fight, and also you would get a great build up for it and. I, and the, I think and it's you put the BMF on the line. Yeah, you would have that on the line, and it is a winnable fight for Conor McGregor. Absolutely, 
Um, Usman, I would say that that would be uh, McGregor would be at a distinct disadvantage in that fight, and I see that as like the least likely scenario out of all of these. Um, Nurmagomedov is not. Uh, I don't see that fight ending much different than the first fight did. So uh, it would be big, but to me, Masvidal is kind of where I lean, unless they go uh, with something else at lightweight. Next up, we have, uh, let's go here to Guy from Charlotte, North Carolina. There was more good than bad this week, but as usual, the bad was quite bad. For all that good, that was the opening segment and the Brock stuff. There was the positively awful Street Profits update and the never-ending eye roll that is the Rusev-Lana saga. Honestly, the show's saving grace was the latter match. Granted, it was a little sloppy in places, but they managed to make me care and delivered with some very good in-ring action. I'm looking forward to the Rumble and hope it sets up some new things rolling into Mania season. Six out of ten. We got a Nick from Lansing who says, Ricochet was able to cut a halfway decent promo tonight. He felt a little more confident, and I even held out a soon-to-be-dashed hope that maybe he would be able to at least do one flip before Brock put him down. Hopefully the two of them get a little time to work in the Rumble. Murphy and Rollins look great against the Raiders. The tag division is in desperate need of a glow-up, and I actually feel hopeful about the two of them as new champions. Unfortunately, the Viking Raiders weren't clicking. company never seemed to know what to do with them, but maybe a team with more momentum can revitalize that division. Okay. I've run out of words, John, I think on this show, but uh, let's finish up here with Tess. Okay, last one. Tess from Oklahoma City. I, like everyone else, it seems, was really enjoying this show until the last hour. I do, un- I do wonder why you have Rollins and Murphy winning the tag titles instead of the actual tag team in AOP, but that's typical WWE booking. Good for Murphy, though, getting a main roster title. It's honestly so frustrating to me that WWE can have a super refreshing relationship storyline on SmackDown and the most cliche storyline on Raw. Why would Rusev ever associate with Liv Morgan again? Aside from the fact that she was also cheating with Lana, so she's really no better than Bobby. She cost him the last match. That's and was so just- true. I didn't even realize that. Or were they talking about the relationship? Did they have a relationship? No, because by the time they, Lana- they didn't really flush that out of oh, what God. was going on with Lana and Liv, and now it seems like they've dropped that cold. <laughs> um, <clears throat> on a side note, it does seem that Liv has been working on her wrestling, and I thought she looked decent. I would much rather see her working with Charlotte, who is desperately in need of something to do. Also, do we know where Naomi is and when she comes back? She's in the raw opening graphic, but one would think she would be with her husband on SmackDown. I had thought she was on SmackDown, but I could be mistaken. I would imagine that she, like, there doesn't appear to be any kind of a injury, and I would expect that she'll be in the Rumble this Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that, but yeah. They've announced barely any women for that rumble. So I think it's going to be all hands on deck to fill out those 30 entrances. I was like kind of filling out my mock uh, predictions on um, for the, for the pool. And I had a really hard time thinking about what surprises there could potentially be for uh, a women's battle Royal. And by surprise, I'm, I'm saying, you know, people that aren't in NXT. Yeah. I mean, they've kind of, over the last two years between the two rumbles evolution, like they've brought so many women back from the past. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think of names and like, who's, who's actually still out there that they haven't used it. Maybe like somebody like jazz, jazz, um, Victoria, Has ivory done stuff with them. Ivory did the, she went into the hall of fame a few years ago. Oh yeah. And, but I don't think she did any wrestling. Did she during that two year, the last maybe two years? Maybe she feel like she did. A, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. 
Yeah, she could, she could go in. Um, I mean, there, there's names out there you could find. You just have to. I think kinda... Shayna will be the big big surprise, perhaps. She should be. If they consider that a surprise, which I don't. In the contest, it, it's not. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, you you have gotten an expanded edition of Rewind a Raw tonight. Welcome back, Way. I hope we haven't uh, burnt you out on night one of your return. No, we're just getting started. I'm refreshed. Good to go. All right. Well, we're going to say goodbye to everybody. Tuesday night, we're back. New Rewind Away for patrons. We'll be up uh, chatting All Japan Women's Dream Slam one card. Uh, you can go up to the forum if you're listening to this on Tuesday, you can get in your feedback and watch that card uh, before Tuesday night. So that is when we will speak with you next. And then lots to come this week at postwrestling.com. So keep it tuned as we head into the Royal Rumble this Sunday. Good night.